You're listening to episode 14-3 of the Tech Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Robert Desert Eagle Allen. With me today is, in no particular order, Eric Blue Swim. Happy New Year! We're back, bitches! All right. And Jeremy Lawman Lamont. This time my diaper is for an actual reason. And also with us, Sage Cyber Age, Morris Green. Happy New Year! I just want to clarify that I'm dressed up as the as the New Year baby, is the diaper. Are you it's really? Not a That's fetish or like that, that yeah, well, it's not a fetish that, this time. Was, was that like an all-day costume? You just felt like January 1st, start the year off right, wear a diaper for a day. I know, Jeremy, I didn't I, peg you as a cosplayer. <laughs> I call it my 24-hour friend. It's, uh, yeah, I crinkle when I walk a little bit, but... That's really gross. <laughs> You're preparing for old age. Um, is, it is, is it a Depend brand? I gotta know. It is, uh, it, it's my own special... It's cloth. Yeah, it's better for the environment. Oh, anyway, so before we kick things off and jump right into mail, I just wanted to thank our listeners, also my co-hosts, the writers, and our social media mavens. Wish everyone a very happy 2015. I am indebted to all of you. Thank you so much. You're Thanks, welcome. Robbie. Thank you. Actually, I mean, I, a few favors to call in. But, uh. Deagle, I think that we're all very indebted to you as well because you really yep. keep tech gaming going, and I know that all the fans appreciate everything you write about and talk about and so you should congratulate yourself along with that and happy new year to you too thank you especially the trolls they love me so. especially the trolls, <laughs> trolls and we love them gonna hate. <laughs> so re- ready to reach in the mailbag yeah reach in okay uh reach yeah. in not around oh blue so we got a question from faithful reader foxhound who asks i won't ask each of you to pick out a single game or even three but can each of you share some of your favorite gaming experiences of the year? Ooh. So, some of your favorite games, just just throw them out there, throw them up. I have one, but I'm one. going okay. to talk about it during during my. Uh, G- give me a clue then. Second. Give me a clue. What it, let's start um, with a B and have a two in it. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, th- I might know what it is. <laughs> Battle Toads uh, too. Battle. Yes. So I, I have a couple that uh, that came to mind uh, from from this past year. Uh, one of the games that uh, I played with uh, my kids, actually, my younger child really was into this. Uh, was was Broken Age, the first episode of Broken Age, oh, okay. came out uh, earlier this year, and uh, my my younger uh, six year old actually is constantly asking me like, oh, what, when is Broken Age two going to come out? When is Broken Age two? And I'll be like, well. Well, child, let me just, uh, I've got a direct line to Mr. Tim Schaefer. Let me please just take a moment and ask him. And uh, I'm constantly getting questions about it. It was it was great fun, really well acted. The music was, was really good. And it was just a fun experience to sit down with uh, my kids and uh, kind of show them how old dad can, can rock mm-hmm. the adventure game. And uh, so that, that was one for me that, uh, that I you, really enjoyed. Are you waiting for the Grim Fandango remake eagerly? Oh, my God. And then they announced at the PlayStation experience that they're doing... Um, uh, Day of the Tentacle is mm-hmm. the other one now, yeah. and then we saw our first footage of the the new King's Quest, which I don't think it looks very adventurous. I mean, it's probably going to be something a little different, I think. Right. But uh, yeah, really looking forward to Grim Fandango. In fact, I still have some of the original Grim Fandango merchandise, promotional merchandise, hanging around my house. I have a uh, a Manny Calavera, one of the cardboard things that has mm-hmm. joints on the different. Uh, you know, you can kind of articulate the joints and things. He's a flat cardboard guy. Hang him up on the oh, wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, to see it at Halloween. I, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so he, I have him from the original. In fact, I told Tim Schafer that once on Twitter, and he was like, oh, wow, really? He says, I don't even think I've got one of those. So I was pretty proud about that. <laughs> uh, I also have a, a tiny little Manny Calavera. I don't know if you've ever seen the little toys that are they're, they're skeletons that have strings sort of threaded through the bones, and you push a little button to make them go kind of Oh, loose, yeah, of course. And they fall of course, over. Yeah. And There's so a little got, button at the very bottom of the base. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so I've got one of those kicking around here, too, and I think somebody was saying that those are like 180 bucks on eBay or something like that. But uh, I will never part with my Manny Calavera merchandise. Yes, I'm looking forward uh, with great expectation to the Vita. And uh, I guess that they're doing it on PC, but it's a PlayStation console uh, exclusive, Vita and, and uh, PS4, I, I assume. Uh, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. Now, um, now some of the fanboys are going to come knocking at your door in the middle of the night, Jeremy. Which fanboys? The Grim Fandango yes. fanboys? Or the... Yeah, all right. Man, I'll hang out with some Grim Fandango fanboys. My Hopefully favorite... they don't break in through the basement window. I really like, you know... <laughs> Oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, but the uh, one of my favorite characters in Grim Fandango, do you, do you, I don't know if anybody ever played it, but mm-hmm. at the beginning there's a, uh, in the Land of the Dead, there is a, um, a clown, and mm-hmm. he's like, making balloon animals, but his bony fingers keep popping the balloon. Yeah. <laughs> and so finally he, he, Manny asked him to give him like a scary, a scary balloon animal. And, uh, cause he needs to, spoilers for one of the puzzles in Grim Fandango. He wants to scare away these pigeons. And so the, the clown is right. like, he's like this, this weird, like Jack Nicholson, like sarcastic kind of clown. Mm-hmm. He gives him a balloon animal that looks like Robert Frost. And uh, one of my, it's like the profile of Robert Frost with like a little pipe. And uh, so Manny takes the uh, he takes the uh, the balloon animal up to the pigeon. And he's like, "Run, you pigeons! It's Robert Frost!" And it doesn't scare the pigeons. But uh, anyway, so yes, uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, God, what else? A couple of other a couple of other um, good memories of 2014. Um, just kind of looking over the list of stuff that, that came out. I have a couple. I, I have one yeah, that's go going to make you uh, unhappy, Jeremy. But uh, uh, Divinity, uh, Original Sin, that's not the one that's going to make you unhappy. But I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, yeah, Middle, I, Middle I, Earth, Shadow of Mordor. I know you weren't too much of a fan yeah. of that. But I really liked it. Coming the from game is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, th- that experience that we that we had where we played it at uh, E3, that was like an hour of pure bliss. Mm-hmm. That that was one of my favorite moments, I think, both mm-hmm. this year and E3, because, Robert, you were actually happy while you were playing, and <laughs> right. we got to sit next to each other and play. Because a lot of times we play stuff, and you're like, ugh, uh, this is boring, whatever. Right. But you, other than sushi, that was like <laughs> the happiest I've seen you at E3. And the NIS booth. Those, mm-hmm. those are yeah, the three. Right. Yeah. Uh, Persona Q. Mm-hmm. You guys played that. Uh, Shovel Knight enjoyed a lot. Shovel Knight's really good. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like Shovel Knight though is more fun after you've stepped away from it. <laughs> you know, like you're like Explain. all your playing, like oh god, oh yeah, it's a and little then, frustrating. And then, and then you like look back fondly on it, you know, about an hour or two after you're done, and you're like, yeah, I really was enjoying myself. Well, I, I, I can I, I usually play it in in half hour bursts. And so I don't mm-hmm. really get that pent up frustration. There's not, there's not, there's no worse feeling. And, and I got to think about this, but you know, if you ever played uh, Demon Souls or Dark Souls, when you when you go and you, you lose, <laughs> oh, God. You, you die once, and you're like, okay, I can go back and go back from my body. I just lost like thirty thousand souls. Shovel Knight does that same thing, you know, when mm-hmm. you fall down a pit or something, and those little winged bags of money come up, and you're like, oh, oh no, I'm not going to be able to get that one, and suddenly you lose like. I don't know, two or three thousand gold because some little trash mob thing kills you, knocks you off the edge of a pit. Ah, <laughs> worse. But it, okay. it is fun. It is fun after I'm. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a blast from Jeremy's take I'm on it. it. 
Right. It's good, though. So, yeah, I, Shovel Knight is definitely one of my favorite games of the year, but I don't think that you necessarily always have to have, like, you know, wide grin, lols, like, good times all the time to have a great experience with a game. So it's, it's fun. I enjoy sure. Shovel Knight, but it's the kind of thing that after I've taken a little bit of a breather, I think I enjoyed a little bit more in mm. retrospect. Okay. Sure. Uh, Forza Horizon 2, scratch my racing itch. Any of you guys yeah, play that? I really want to play that. I don't have Same an Xbox here. One, but that's the great. that's the one Xbox One game I've really uh, invested in, put a lot of time in. It's, it's pretty fun. Makes up for the uh, for Forza Five because that game was so boring, so dull. Really? Just, yeah. <laughs> it was just something about racing around the tracks. It, it just felt uh, like the worst elements of Gran Turismo. Uh, what else did I like this year? Skylanders Trap Team. Always a big fan of Skylanders, and that one was really fun. Child of Light. Any of you guys play that? I didn't play Child of Light. I, I was on a sale just recently, and I thought about getting it, but I've got other... I've got stacks of RPGs that are kind of piling up on me, and I just don't know if I've got it in me. Tackle them. Tackle them, Yeah, I know. Actually, I was, gonna, I was going to say, and I'm not sure if this qualifies as one of my favorites of the year, but mm-hmm. I've been playing... Um, Bravely defaults, and it must have oh, come yeah. out like what last, last year. February, I think. I mean, it's and I've been yeah. like taking little bites of it. I, I've, I'm, mm-hmm. I think I'm up to like sixty hours on that, but I've oh, been playing wow. it consistently all throughout the year, um, and uh, it's uh, you know kind of been with me through all of 2014. So I think it'll it may continue so through 2015, <laughs> <laughs> right, all the way to 2019. Yeah, um, I know. Here, here's a surprise, I think. Uh, Summer I Warriors 4. Now, one of the things there is that they really kind of changed the, the gameplay in that now it's it's almost about cooldown timers um, rather than, okay. um, you know, punching out different combos. But I had a lot of fun with that. And so um, that made the list. Mario Kart 8. I, I was going to say Mario Kart. I think we I, yeah. we must have talked about it the last time because I remember every time that game boots up, I just want to do the Don Pardo voice. I think we, we talked about this. <laughs> right. But... Like that, I think every time Mario Kart starts is, is like one of the best experiences of the year for me because I can do I can do it again. And special musical guest. Smash. What about Smash Brothers? Now Smash Brothers, I have for both 3DS and Wii U, but I've only invested maybe four hours across both platforms, so I just have not included that. Uh, a couple of games I have not played, but uh, I probably will like uh, Bayonetta 2, Dragon Age, Inquisition. Yep. I uh, have that as well. Oh, I also liked, I almost left out uh, Rebirth 1, came out, what, last August, uh, Far Cry 4, a lot of fun. I think when I yeah. when I realized how genius um, Super Time Force was, like when, mm-hmm. I, when, I, when it finally clicked for me, I was like, oh my god, this is brilliant. Okay. Um, and then my very last one, uh, a game that nobody's ever heard of and I, and I have not talked about uh, really was, um, came out in March actually this year, called Heroine's Quest, The Herald of Ragnarok. Which is the only reason that I even gave it a look is because it is a spiritual homage to the old Quest for Glory or Heroes Quest games that uh, Sierra did, Laurie and Corey Cole, uh, which is my favorite game series of all time, and it is just a uh, very tonally perfect uh, recreation of of that series. But uh, it has a uh, lady protagonist, and uh, it's just a very well done game as well. And it's free on Steam, so wow, very cool. Not yeah, bad. super cool. I thought of uh, another one that skipped my mind a, uh, a little bit earlier uh hatsune miku project diva f second yeah that was a lot of fun i continue yeah. to poke i'm surprised poke that around. wasn't on your list robert <laughs> i know shame on me <laughs> all miku things all the time <laughs> yeah you, you kind of you, that one is 
just expected from me, so I decided to leave that off. <laughs> hey, another thing, another thing from 2014 that probably won't fit anywhere else in the show. I just want to bring it up. Uh, Tron 2.0, my favorite first-person shooter of all time, uh, through the Disney Steam initiative, now is available on Steam for the uh, reasonable price. I, I want to say it's like ten bucks. That's uh, right. My That's favorite right. FPS of all time. So that I did not Steam. know that they were going to put those games on uh, Steam, and so like Pure showed up, and what was that other? Uh, tons of stuff, just tons um, of stuff. Like Blur, all of, like, Blur just showed up. Blur and uh, Pure, which are which are two of my favorite uh, racers of recent memory, and those just showed up. I immediately, you know, pulled it's the not it's on. not Blur you're thinking of. You're thinking of uh, um, Split Second. Split oh, second. Split Second, Split Second, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they also did like a ton of just like the little namby pamby, like no, you know, self respecting adult gamer, but all the Disney Princess stuff mm-hmm. and yeah. just all kinds of old stuff. And the weird thing is they split some of the release, so some of them went to like GOG, and then mm-hmm. some of them went to Steam. And presumably at some point they'll you know cross pollinate that. I'm not really sure, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, a bunch of bunch of Disney stuff came back from the dead. So that and that you know that kind of ties in also to the the Lucas stuff coming back to. Yep. Uh, PC and PlayStation. So someone over there has been listening to the uh, the prayers of the gaming faithful, which is nice. So. Or you, um, or you, Jeremy, or just or me. Jeremy. It might just be me, like calling them and doing different voices. <laughs> Hello, I'd really like to play Grim Fandango. <laughs> yes. Is that so you, Sage? Listeners, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I loved Sherlock, Crimes and Misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I was. I knew it was going to be pretty decent from what we had seen, yeah. but I was pleasantly surprised at just how good it was i mean mm-hmm. i really thought it held up um transistor remains one of my favorite and and makes me cry kind of games and and like i've said most games don't make me cry but that one does um stanley parable which did not come out this year but i finally got around to playing it this year uh i it, i'm going to talk about it later in the show but that's definitely one of my faves now because it's so simple but there's so much clever stuff going on on a on a mm-hmm. thoughtful level um what else oh you know when the expansion for diablo 3 came out reaper of souls i think that was really really solid and it also fixed a lot of things in diablo 3 that had made diablo feel too much like uh, world of warcraft Mm -hmm. and i thought reaper of souls really kind of reset it back to what it should have been um so i think that was a pretty solid release that i enjoyed awesome um. Yeah, I I feel like it was a good year for indie games. I really went with more indie games than mm-hmm. uh, big big titles this year. So I think pretty much anything indie that I played this year would would be my favorite of the year kind of thing. Um. Oh, the Swapper, which I'm also going to talk about later. But the Swapper is a really solid, good game. Yeah. And and to the moon, the to the moon game. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that I, I need that to play that. so good. Um, you do. It's really good. Friend of the show, Diego, uh, gifted me the Swapper. Nice. So, Have you played you. it yet? Yeah, a little bit. I've only played about three or four hours, but I really dug it. I think I'm getting toward the end of it. I haven't finished it. Maybe I should. Maybe it can mm-hmm. be the first game I finish in 2015. That would be awesome. Well, we should all chat about it. If I mean, I was going to talk about it this week, but if we want to wait till we all finish it, we should we should all chat about no, it. I mean, I I can talk about it. It's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, and lastly, my experience of the year has been trolling uh, the uh, Smash Brothers players with my love of PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. So, <laughs> it's way fun. Anytime someone's like, "Smash is so good," and I'm like, "It's no PlayStation All Stars," and they just come out of the woodwork, man. It's like taking a jar of ants. I love it. Now, I love where it. do you do this trolling? Just, just at, everywhere. The, at the in local game life. store, right? Yeah, like <laughs> walking around my house, my kids are like, "Dad, Toys R Us." Nobody likes PlayStation. <laughs> I'm like, "No, you don't understand. Polygon Man is the best boss of all time." Right. 
One sixty dollars. One's five. One they Master can't give away. Dad. Yeah. You troll your own children? I would if they cared. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost sadder. I would like to hear from our listeners in the, in the show thread. What were your favorite? Uh, let, let's say two game experiences of 2014, and uh, we'll all compare notes after the show posts. Right. Yeah. And what, what? How do you troll kids? How do I troll kids? Usually with candy and a van and a white van. Yeah. Jeremy, I think we need Yikes. to redefine trolling for you. I, I don't think that's what you're doing. <laughs> Listen, it's legal in 13 states. Well, that's not trolling. That's definitely something else. Uh, we, should, we shouldn't joke about that. Violence against children is no laughing matter, listeners. And... Trolling against children, totally okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> okay, on to, uh, on to what we've been playing. So uh, let me kick things off with a, a little title called Little Big Planet 3. One of these things I wanted to talk about is the strange relationship I have with the Little Big Planet franchise. I'm a huge proponent of the play, create, share idea concept. In any game that, that comes with a construction sh- construction set um, and method to kind of share your creation online get, gets an automatic accolade from me. But personally, with my review schedule, I really don't have time to really kind of delve into the game. And therefore, the, the nuances of stage creation kind of go wasted on me. So, so in effect, I, I fool around. I make a few simple levels. I admire the tool set and then move on. Uh, although I do occasionally you know, revisit the game if I feel this creative urge. So one of the things that, that people have noticed about Little Big Planet 3 is the feel or the uh, change that's occurred from the shift in developers. Uh, Media Molecule handed over development duties to Sumo Digital. And in some ways, the transition, it's pretty seamless. The game opens, and of course, there's Stephen Fry giving his inspiring pep talk about creativity. And, And certainly... Uh, Little Big Planet 3, it doesn't change its visual aesthetic, so you have this um, uh, decoupage of you know stickers, bubbles, and stages made out of these little piecemeal parts that, that you know, s- still holding fast. But uh, in this case, I'm going through the tutorial, and I noticed a bit of the magic was missing. Uh, some of that came from, you know, these visual hiccups. They were kind of a constant distraction. Uh, they would freeze the game for anywhere between a tenth to a full second, really kind of disrupting the flow of, of jumping, and which is really essential for a platformer. Um, in all fairness, I've heard that there's a, a patch for the game, but, you know, when I played this a few weeks ago, the performance was bad enough for, for me to kind of hold off at the moment, and I expect mm. to, yeah, kind of come back to it. But one of the things is the humor. Um, I really felt like someone was copying the style of Media Molecule with their kind of quaint little storyline that, you know, I've never really got into because the game is framed as this construction tool. So basically, I mean, you can give a hammer a name and a backstory, but in the end, I'm going to see the character is just this hammer. And so, you know, I never really got into the, the storyline, the narrative of it. Um, I do think that knocking Little Big Planet. Um, for its story is a little bit unfair. Uh, the virtue is in the player community. In this case, it's really, uh, it's really cool. It's really robust, and it's thriving with these kind of weird and wonderful levels. Like there was this one that was, I believe, it was called Sackboy Suicide Slide. And just these, you know, really cool, different, you know, fun, cre- creative ways in which people, you know, 
articulate an idea and kind of throw that out there. And so that's yeah, still I, alive. I would actually yeah. sort of like to comment on that because mm-hmm. I, uh, I I sort of agree with you, but I also feel like one one thing that has always impressed me about about Little Big Planet from a story, or at least from a from the distinction between the developers officially, you know, creating their product versus the community creating their product. Is mm-hmm. that you're using exactly the same tools? Yeah, that they and that, that's amazing. And, and you can see in a really well executed community level, like you can sort of see hints of the kinds of things that these professional, you mm-hmm. know, level designers and 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 creators, uh, and and they're basically giving you those same exact. And there are there are several games that do this, but I really feel like, especially in Little Big Planet, I feel like mm-hmm. it's sort of the the pinnacle of like giving you just a, a some some crazy like detailed kinds of tools. And obviously, it's up to each of the individual you, you know community people to decide. How much time and effort they're going to spend on it, but and I do admire outside of the PC realm. I think Little Big Planet has one of the most complex, robust tool sets available. Yeah, absolutely. And because you you can recreate the levels that they made, and if you delve into and you study how the logic switches work and all these little intricacies, you can make things that even transcend kind of the platformer genre, which sure. is really cool. So. Um, I, no. I, I, did I tell you, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, you probably saw in the news in the last, uh, what, couple months that somebody had remade uh, Final Fantasy VII in Little Big Planet. Did you see that? The whole game? Yeah, they did. So here's the thing. I, I have only ever played, like, the first, I'm going to say, three hours of, uh, of Final Fantasy VII. And so I'm like, you know... I'm going to play this. Like, I'm going to finish. I'm going to play Final Fantasy VII. And I tell you, I got further. I got all the way to um, to the church where you meet uh, Eris. Yeah, it is. Right. And Does uh, she live in this version? You know, I didn't get that to that point yet. I'm hoping <laughs> so. She might, she might, like, there might be, like, this terrible squealing, and then she pops, and then uh, that's, that's, <laughs> right. that's the end of her. And then you pick um, up her, uh, her her gizzard, her yeah, little marbles. Her, her, her little burlap <laughs> oh, remains. That right. sounds so satisfying. It, it, it's the first game that made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So no, I've got to check that out. That's cool. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of hokey, but it actually, obviously it's not going to have the combats, but it... it it's essentially a user sort of, I mean, it's a little hokey, kind of a platforming sort of thing, but they kind of recreate generally like the, the environment, like the Mako mm-hmm. reactors yeah. and the, you know, the hideouts and things like that. And all of the dialogue is in there. All of the mainline dialogue is in there. I don't know anything about the side, you know, conversations that you might have, but how did they even up, put that in? The guy's been working on it for a, for a long time, I guess. And, and I, and I wasn't sure. I'm like, come on, this can't be like all the dialogue. So I started doing a search on the text that was in there. And it's all of it. I mean, you basically are getting mm-hmm. the entire story without having to go through the combat and breeding chocobos and all that shit. You just go through and you actually get the game. <laughs> so this is perfect for you. Yeah, I, I mean, are... it kind of is. Like, it sort of is. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I kind of got stalled on a little bit, but uh, I, in fact, I was, uh, saw you playing Little Big Planet a little bit earlier, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it reminded me that I need to install it. So I'm going to pick up where I left off. And the cool thing is they've started, I don't know if you've ever used either for, for this or uh, I know Sound Shapes did the same thing. There are a few games that do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Tearaway even has some some of this, where they actually have web integration with mm-hmm. some of the community stuff, where you can actually link, you can send somebody an actual URL and it will add it to their little big planet queue, and uh, you can actually just start playing community levels right from your queue by sending someone a, a link via Twitter or something like that. So I will tweet to yeah. you, uh, Robert, the uh, the URL to this, and you can okay. start playing 
Final awesome. Fantasy VII along with me. So they beat. Uh, and I'll return with Sackboy's Suicide Slide. Yeah, exactly. All right. Anyway, I just thought I would I would comment on that stuff. Very cool. So the other thing is the Nvidia Shield. Last uh, E3, uh, Nvidia had this huge circus tent across from the convention center. It was filled with kind of rows of uh, stations demoing GPUs. They had a live DJ, free drinks, free cheap alcohol drinks, and these remote control orbs that controlled like you had a few too many of those cheap drinks. But uh, front and center was the NVIDIA Shield. It's a device that kind of combines a foldable 5-inch Android touchscreen and this uh, very similar to an Xbox controller into this pleasingly heavy kind of monstrosity. Um, the nice, very nice NVIDIA people demoed the unit's ability to stream, uh, I think it was Batman Arkham City and Borderlands 2. But then they seemed to get, they got a little displeased when I told them I couldn't read the text uh, that was made for a 20-inch monitor on the tiny screen. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they, they really did not want to uh, talk they, to me after that. They went from being really cheerful to being really <laughs> tight-lipped almost immediately. Like, Let's show you this. Off. Have you seen this? And they tried to steer me away uh, to, right. to something else. But So as you might have guessed, the recent uh, price drop at GameStop was enough incentive for me to take the plunge. And I ended up buying a shield there. And I also bought a case and a screen protector from Amazon. Went NVIDIA Shield Wild here. Here. So first the good, uh, the build quality is, is very solid. The unit feels substantial and save for uh, a little contact when the screen is pulled up from the closed position. Really solid design. Uh, the screen is 720p. I, I know that that's probably a dirty word on the net, but uh, when you're looking at something, you know, it's five inches, relatively small. The image quality is really good. Just not, you know, good enough to read PC text. But Android gaming is expectantly uh, excellent. Um, there's not too many games that serve as benchmarks, but I, I think Anomaly Defenders is one of those. Uh, on one of my more powerful tablets, I have a Nexus 7, the 2013 version of that. The game runs okay. You know, it's got a solid frame rate, but there's some lag when it comes to unit selection. And when you're moving the kind of the battlefield around, there's a slight delay between, you know, your action and response. But on the shield, the, the game runs fluidly. And there's almost no obstructions. Emulation is spot on. The device easily runs anything up to, you know, kind of the PS1 era. Every title I owned, um, there's zero loss in speed. And I know it's no measure of power, but I own a modest kind of collection of GBA games and ran those and really just discovered how great, and I don't think anyone really talks about this, how great the Game Boy Advance library is. I mean, it, it really had a good... Uh, run. I mean, games like Kirby and the Amazing Mirror, Golden Sun. I was playing some Advance Wars, uh, Are You of Sorrow, Circle of the Moon, Fire Emblem. Um, what am I forgetting? Uh, Metroid Fusion, Astro Boy, the Pokemon games, Pokemon Fireball Wrestling A. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't have that one, so I didn't emulate. I was trying to keep it honest, but um... yeah, yeah. I don't have that one, but it's great. <laughs> I, 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 I <laughs> no, I played it before. Hone in on a, on a question here because there's something yes. that has escaped me, and hopefully it's not. Uh... Hopefully you weren't trying to talk around it, and I'm bringing it back into it. But what exactly is is this? Pl- I mean, this is playing any okay. What, so, PC so two things thing that you can well, run on. Well, it? okay. So two things. One, it, it is an Android device, so anything you know, Android it runs. Or number two, if you have a um, if you have a Radeon graphics card, I believe 660, anything above that, it is supposed to stream that. Now hmm. I have a 770, which um, when I when I load up the Nvidia, I believe Experience is kind of the uh, app for your PC. It says, "Hey, ready to stream with a Shield." But unfortunately, I have the 
uh, kind of pay-as-you-go router through Time Warner cable. You know, it's like the $6 a month. I don't have one of the fancy routers, and so I cannot make the connection. So I've been unable to stream, you know, stream video across from my PC. But, you know, my PC is ca- capable. The only thing I need is a router, which costs more than the Shield itself. Yeah, a, right. A, a 200 $300 uh, router to circumvent that. But that's the idea in concept. All right. So basically, if you're running an emulator, it'll it'll run that. Yeah, yeah, and run okay, that right. run that very well. All right, I, I just was wanting to clarify because I'm like, wow, I didn't know that it would play all that stuff. So it's no, it, it doesn't play that. It just streams video. Right, right, okay, got it. So that, that's just the trick. So got Robert, it. how do you think it compares in in functionality and convenience to other handheld devices that you could utilize for that kind of thing? As far as one of the things you you know I could have is um, you know run say the Nexus Seven and and get one of those Mad Cat or yeah, the Mad Cats made a controller. But what's the other one? The Moga uh, controller. Uh-huh. You know, you, you could kind of do that. Uh, you, you'd lose the streaming, you know, functionality of that. But one of the kind of cool things that I haven't spent a lot of time with is it does come with a built-in app. When you press the NVIDIA logo button in the middle of the controller, it brings up this thing that kind of, you know, can emulate everything from positions of the screen. And so it has the, the software where, uh, let's say it puts up a virtual D-pad on the screen where you can map that to the different controls. And what's really cool is that you don't have to engineer this yourself. You can um, hit that button and instantly kind of load a preset that is rated by the NVIDIA Shield community. And so it automatically picks the kind of the best one for you. And so I was playing a game that did not have controller support, and it just added that in. And it was pretty flu- um, pretty flawless. Oh, it was uh, Castle of Illusion, the, the Mickey Mouse game on Android, which is on sale for a dollar this week. So that works really cool, and that's probably the advantage over any competitors. Cool. But, uh, you know, as, a, as an Android uh, device, it is fast, real fast. I, now, I heard the Shield, the... Um, the what is that seven inch uh, tablet is even better. It's got the K1 chip, so that's probably the one to go to. But that you're looking at three or four hundred versus you know 150. So th- so just to reclarify then, so if you've got uh, Google Play, it'll play your apps from Google Play. It'll yep. Play. Mm-hmm. And do those? Because I've got a Moga, and mm-hmm. I've found that the support is pretty spotty on those yep. things. I mean, does this? Is it the same kind of thing where unless it's built specifically to support that controller, like no, you may no, not be able to play? As, as I mentioned, what it can do is it can – one of the things the controller does is creates this almost uh, um, translation app. And so instead of, say, moving your physical you know, controller back and forth um, you know, using the gyroscopic function, instead mm-hmm. that will map that to the, um, to the controller, the to the analog. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so you can kind of set that up. And so I have yet to encounter too many games that, that either put up a virtual uh, pad um, that, that do not work. The only ones that, that really don't map that are um, ones that use touch only. And really, uh-huh. kind of like those tower defense games, or like Skulls of the Shogun, or things like that. Where you're yeah, really and like how no, but, but but uh, Skulls of the Shogun is actually um, works perfectly there. Oh, is that it's right? Controller support, mm-hmm. yeah. So definitely for 150 dollars, I'd say check it out. That's that's kind of a lot of money though, 150 dollars. Like that's part way to a. <laughs> well, the way I look at it, is, it was it was only for 250, and so 150 is a good chunk off, and so that's how totally. I justified it. But yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah. So that wraps me up. That's all? Oh, my God. I was trying to keep it short. 
No, that's okay. good. I can appreciate that. <laughs> Jeremy's like, good, more time for me. Yeah, I know. I'm trying. I'm like making <laughs> some cuts here as I. No, no. I'm trying to keep it. Trying to keep it slim and trim. But uh, I guess. Well, maybe I'll maybe I'll go ahead and, and pick it up then where Deagle left off. So mm-hmm. just to kind of riff a little bit on the Little Big Planet uh, discussion, I have been playing a uh, more than I'd care to admit Disney Infinity 2.0 which uh, you may find the review on the Tech Gaming website, www.tech-gaming.com. And, and uh, I am uh, sort of a... In, in these turbulent times of Amiibos and Skylanders <laughs> and uh, Disney, uh, you'll find that my household is firmly in the Disney Infinity camp. Uh, Give it I, time. I, I, Amiibos I didn't... will work their way into your heart. You know, here's the thing. I've actually purchased Amiibos, but I've given them all away as gifts. So even the rarest of the rare Amiibos have passed through my fingers to those Whoa. less fortunate souls. Yeah, actually, so I did. In fact, for a, a, a video game group that I go to once a month, uh, I figured it, it's a Nintendo-themed you know, themed sort of group. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go buy some Amiibos. That's a good, reasonably priced gift. So I got uh, you know, a Zelda and a Little Mac and a Diddy Kong and you know, all of that and kind of gave those out. And gosh, the way You gave away Piss Link? Up. I, I miss Link. Yep. No piss. The, piss link. Oh, piss Link. Because piss link. the yellow, uh, the yellow support. Yeah. Thing. I yeah. see. Okay. So I don't want to trash too much on Amiibos here, but remember how I said I like to troll for uh, uh, Smash Brothers? Well, Amiibos are even better. Um, <laughs> uh, people are really. I, I just. I, I understand Amiibos. I just don't understand why people are so excited about them. They, they're right. okay. I, I can. I can kind of answer that question. Uh, talk, talk about it. Instruct me. School me. You remember with Smash Brothers Melee on the GameCube? They had yeah. all those trophies you gather, and that was the first Smash Brothers game to have trophies. Mm-hmm. And one of the best games ever. Yeah. Ex- yes. Uh, basically, the appeal of Amiibos is the it is that it dates back to that that desire to have real life figures that you have in smash brothers you know it's um you know you'd get like the mario trophy after beating the arcade mode you're thinking damn i wish i had a real life smash brothers trophy of mario that i could put on my shelf that's basically the amiibo appeal it's like you you can finally have these smash brothers trophies in your hand and i have them sitting on my entertainment center and i'm looking at them right now (laughs) and then that's all you really do with them right yep so you can so the thing is, here's the thing. I I, I liked them when I saw them the first time, right? Like when they were the the nice looking ones, and they had you know they had like a yeah. full post before and, before pre production. Yeah, yeah, and like Nintendo decided, yeah, let's show these. That that'll be super cool. And then then they suddenly weren't that. But yet all the promotional material is still the same thing. Like I thought that was kind of dumb. But I could get be beyond that, I guess. But the other thing of it is that. Like, the sculpts themselves, some of them anyway, like, there are some that are really cool. Like, it's kind of neat to have, like, Zelda was a cool one, and, and uh, you know, Captain Falcon looks neat and Pit. But some of them are just, like, the same sculpts, the same poses that you've seen on, you know, like, your $5 just kitsch stuff that you buy out of a, a little cardboard box in at the front of the GameStop register or something, you know? Um and I don't. I don't mean to slander them. I mean it's cool. It's nice. I have a lot of trinkets. I have a lot of plushies. I've got a Toon Link and all you know, Pikmin and stuff like that. And they, you know, they're cool. It's kind of neat to have them. But here's the difference for me between that and something like Disney is that Amiibos have they they've kind of been like this 
like afterthought thing. Yep. Like they yeah. don't have their own game. The functionality that yeah. they have is kind of hokey. Limited. Like like yeah. uh, the Captain Toad announcement. It's like, oh, amiibos are going to be compatible with Captain Toad. Yeah, and, and then, you have no idea what the fuck they're going to do. Exactly. You know? and, and all you do is it's like, oh, you upload it. Or, oh, we register that you had an amiibo. Let me give you a one rupee reward. Or, you know, I'll get you a special weapon or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'll put you away again now, now that you've done that. Whereas something like Skylanders or Disney Infinity, there's some persistence to the characters, right? Like, if you have this character, it does certain things and there's actually some relevance to having that character well, and also like I said, also i'd say you have you develop more of a connection because that is your in-game avatar and so th- there's that persistence that extends beyond the game and so yeah you play you know spyro or you know whatever the character is in the game and then you kind of take him and you know you can transfer him take it to your friend's house there's all kinds of cool things you can do with it and that statue is more than just you know a piece it represents you know you in the game which is i think really cool for kids and and this doesn't have that yeah, yeah. With with Disney um, in in Infinity 2.0, anyway, I don't think they really had it quite to the same extent that they did, uh, or, or they have it more in 2.0 than they did in the first one. But you actually have um, experience trees. Like you can say, okay, I got I got this many uh, sparks or or little glowing pieces that you collected. Now let me choose what levels up on my character. So I'm going to get a better jump or I'm going to get a better kind of attack or a new combo or something and like that. I, I think Disney Infinity, you could kind of take it into the toy box and just really have fun with it. And, you know, especially if you had a couple of people playing, you could. Yeah. In fact, so let, let me talk characters. about that a little bit yeah. because my, my 2.0 experience. So we already had the, the base set and, you know, toys from before. So we didn't get the, you know, the starter kit, the, the in-store one. and really, with 2.0 now, the big push is the Marvel stuff, uh, and I believe, as far as I'm aware, all of the. And in fact, let me let me back this up for just a minute. So Disney Infinity kind of has two different sorts of modes, and I bring this up in the context of Little Big Planet originally because there's what Robert just referred to toy box mode, which is basically like here's a space for you to play in make stuff and you have full access to lists of toys and characters and um you know just all kinds of things vehicles weapons um uh, you know race tracks things like that and you pretty it, much and it's all just... cold from kind of disney lore too yeah, which is really cool. Is. And so which you have everything all... from Cinderella's Castle to, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, type stuff to Marvel stuff. And it's just, you know, everything in there. It's, it's a Disney fan's dream. Even weird stuff like ESPN is a Disney what? property. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just – and everything comes from that. And sometimes you're like, oh, what is that? That's from Pete's Dragon? Like that's pretty weird. Um, or, or like the horse from Ichabod, you know, the headless horseman's horse from Ichabod Crane is one of the little. So in addition, I've to the yet to see the nude pictures from the rescuers. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the, the, the phallic penis to take it back to the phallic penis before we started. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the the cover. Of little the, mermaid. Um, or the, no. the uh, you, you, or the the uh, what's the when Simba flops down in the flowers and it spells sex and you know the flowers fluffing up spell sex in the air and the Lion King. I don't know. knew that. Yeah, supposedly, supposedly. I, I, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. It says sex. Um, <laughs> yes, but anyway. and Freud would applaud you for your ability to see uh, it. Oh, it's all over, man. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's all kinds of lists of it. But anyway, so um, 
just so that's the first thing is toy box mode is where you can be, and you can put any character and all of the characters work in toy box mode. Anybody that you have Marvel characters, Disney originals is what they call the you know regular Disney characters from all over. You get the toys, put them on your your uh, pad, and they materialize in game, and they all have their own unique. Uh, abilities and things like that, and you just play around. And my kids, for example, they will... I'm trying to get them, like I was saying earlier, I'm trying to get them to do um, more creative types of things, but they will just sit and laugh for hours, just like kicking each other's asses in Disney Infinity. Just like one of them will be Elsa from Frozen, and she has this, like, freeze ball thing that, like, the person, like, you know, falls back in midair, and they're covered in icicles. And they're just laughing and laughing, and then they ride around on horses, and they do rail slides all on the, you know, and they'll just do that. They'll just putz around, and I'm like, I love it that they're having fun, but let's do some of this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, let's let's build something. Because in toy box mode, the, these, these different toys and these different little things that you can get, they all, not all of them, but a, a good number of them are interactive pieces. So they have a little bit of logic built into them. So for example, you might have an enemy spawn machine or something like that, where you can say, all right, every 10 minutes, make this thing go. Or, or immediately mm -hmm. generate enemies right now. And you can trigger that to like a, say a tripwire, or you can trigger it to when you cross through this door, or this, this archway or something, you know, trigger enemies. Or uh, you can even do teams. Like now that some of the things they've done more complicated in 2.0 versus 1 is now you can say, all right, uh, this player can be on this team, that player can be on that team, and then make the AI bad guys come in, and they can be on different teams and fight each other. And you can set goals and scoreboards. And, um, you, you know, for example, you can get these uh, little uh, containers and throw things into containers, and each one of those will get you a point. And it's just a very simple little thing where it takes this, this idea of creating things, uh, a lot like in Little Big Planet. So it's nowhere near near as complicated or fully featured as Little Big Planet, but it, it's also, you know, a lot of people complain about the floaty jumping in Little Big Planet or the, you know, whatever. I, I, Disney Infinity is probably a little bit more mainstream uh, as, a, as a platform or as an action game. Uh, a lot more simple, a lot more basic uh, in, in, the, in that sense, but I, I would say it's a little more accessible for people who might want to play it. So that's toy box mode. Then they also have play sets, and play sets are pre find developer-created worlds that are restricted to characters that fit within that world. So, for example, in the first game, uh, you would have things like cars. So if you, were, if you put the, the cars playset, they're represented by a little crystal, you know, clear kind of piece. Put that on the pad, it loads this world, and then, for example, with cars, the only people you can be are, are the cars characters, Lightning or... or uh, uh, Fernando or whatever their names are, and you race around, and that's that's that game versus The Incredibles, which is something else versus um, Monsters you know, University, Ranger. yeah, Monsters yeah. University or or whatever. So those are sort of more of a crafted game experience with their own sort of internal rules and and kind of very basic sort of story mode. Um, but for us, since we already had the the pad, um, we didn't order the game that comes with those those. Uh, play sets so we've basically been doing toy box mode and actually one of the downsides of disney infinity 2 is that the play sets from the first game do not carry over which is a huge and i don't know why they didn't offer that as kind of downloadable content i guess the presumed assumption is that it didn't fit on the disc and that's you know i understand that but why didn't they offer that as yeah, you know, a way to and purchase want... and make an easy 20 30 bucks from people yeah or to carry your stuff over cuz now the yeah. thing is uh, what am i going to do with them uh, cuz i'm not really inclined to go back to the first game but all of the play sets in the new one so far are marvel and we're just not doing marvel yet right uh, but uh, so a few other things. Characters can fly now. So you have characters like uh, Tinkerbell or uh, mm -hmm. one of my new favorites, uh, Baymax. Did anybody see Big Hero 6 last year? Yeah. 
that Big Hero Six is possibly my favorite movie of last year. It's really good. Have to think about it a little bit more, but I usually go into those things very guarded. I haven't really enjoyed the last few Disney or Pixar animated movies, but Big Hero Six, if it has flown under your radar really consider it. It's really, really well done. Uh, mm. but, but anyway, those characters can fly. So Sage, you remember in, in Big Hero 6, Baymax eventually gets this, you know, spoilers, I guess, for the movie, whatever. Uh, I mean, you see him, he flies, and Hero, the, the other main character, can, like, climb on him and lock into place. And that's something that they do in, in this, which is really cool. Oh, so cool. usually the characters are, are limited and stuff, like, oh, you, you know, big characters can pick up little characters and maybe throw them or whatever, but you certainly can't fly. But if you have those two characters, hey, guess what? They can fly just like they do in the movies. So that's... Nice. That's cool. Um, God, what else? Um, does, does that does that unbalance? Does that throw off the balance of the power dynamics too much? That you have some characters who can who can fly and do things like that, whereas you have other characters that really can't. Well, like I said, in, from from the Marvel standpoint, I'm not really sure because I haven't done any of the uh, playset things for for Marvel. But the the thing about the the toy box mode is that it doesn't really matter uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. So the other thing is that you can actually do community download levels, and people may have built something where there may be a, for example, maybe a platforming thing. Get to the top of this mountain, and if you have a character who can fly. Yeah, probably, but it's not really any different than sitting down with your little brother or something and being like, no, my character flies to the end, and, you know, then you have a slap fight about it or something. So, you know, it's kind of <laughs> – the the the, the, um, the idea that they had when they created Disney Infinity was they wanted to try and make it as close as they could to uh, the digital experience of – opening up your real-life toy box and just digging crap out and just making stuff up and having a good time playing with things. Um, and, you know, and, and sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's a little hokey, like trying to get things to work right or, or some of the switches don't flip in your logic or, you know, mm-hmm. some, something doesn't trigger. But for the most part, and especially when you're just putzing around in uh, in toy box mode, it, it really feels for the most part like they've, they've really done a, a pretty good job of, of getting to where they wanted to be with it. Um, and they did fix the car physics from E3. Do you remember that? Yeah, they were really bad. <laughs> yeah. The, the guy handed me the control and he, he said, okay, there's Spider-Man, you know, get your car. Bond a car and hopped in and ran over like 100 people. <laughs> the worst turning radius ever. It's and just it like real and, <laughs> and strange and almost strange floaty shit going on, even though it shouldn't be floating really yeah. because of the way it drives. And that was another moment where... Like you asked him, I think, what's with these what's with these car dynamics? They're terrible. And he like walked away like he wouldn't even answer the question. He just walked away from us. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a lot I think, of I think we accidentally offended a lot of people. That, I mean, it's their fault. They had <laughs> shitty things. And then we'd be like, why is this shit? And they'd be like, I'm walking well, away. I, I, I try to be polite, but I think that they recognize that it's a, it's a deficiency that maybe it's still, you know, it's not final build. And they just right. don't want to talk about that. So my last uh, last few comments then on Disney. Um, one of my favorite new things also in 2.0, I don't know if this is something that, Robert, you ever encountered or, or, or did in your playthrough. But uh, sometimes games have a tendency, if they're very open for people to just be overwhelmed and not really know what to do. And one thing that they've added in um, 2.0, Disney Infinity 2, is... Uh, when you go into to toy box mode, into the freestyle mode, they actually have these little characters that will oh, yeah. auto-build mm-hmm. things. 
for you. So, for example, they have little characters, and you place them, and they'll just start like you know, kind of mm -hmm. like wandering around, and then suddenly they'll start to like stuff will start to pop up. Like there's one that'll build cities. So if you just need in your you know if you create a big wide open space, and you're like, okay, big picture, I just want a city over here. You and and they're little you know it's for example that one is uh, Fix It Felix. So if you take out these little and they call them plushies, these little like super deformed little bouncy little characters, and you set him down, and he'll just start wandering off, and suddenly buildings will start popping up, and they'll have kind of a preset like a tile set for okay buildings and roads and you know skyscrapers or whatever, and you can let him go off and do his thing, and he'll build a city for you, and you might say okay I need some some trees over here, but I don't want to go in and pick this tree and you know, park it here and here and here and get another tree. So you get this other guy, and I think, I can't remember if it's Robin Hood or something, but he'll, you can set him off and he'll start to build little trees for you. There's one that does uh, tree houses, and they actually have a whole set of pieces that you can fit together and sort of build your own tree house. But they'll build that for you too, and it'll have rails around it that you can slide on and all kinds of things. And so it, in some ways, they've tried to make it uh, a little more of a um, an assisted sort of experience. And and I don't know how much here's here's one thing and I've tried to uh, kind of get in touch with these guys and ask them a little bit more about it because I would like to see them really develop more on that. Um, you know, for example, the the rails that I've mentioned on a couple of occasions, you can have just a series of, uh, you, you know, like you might see in like what Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm trying to think of something with a lot of sliding rails, um, but they can interconnect and they can loop up and down and around, and your character can just you know you you might have them branch off and jump from one to the other. Um, but I'd like to see some some of those, or I'd like to see them make. Uh, there's an automatic racetrack generator, for example. Um, and you can do just all kinds of cool things with it, but I feel like I'd like to see more. I, I'm really intrigued by the just some of the ideas of of what they can potentially do with it. But that's the kind of thing. So back to, to, my to me, that, that's really interesting because what was the predecessor for the Little Big Planet Racing? Um, Mod, um, Mod, Mod Nation, Nation. Racers. Mm -hmm. Now they did kind of the, the same thing where they had a brush. And you could expand the brush, and you, you, for instance, you could just, you know, layer trees, and it, it yes. would decide on trees, and it would, there was some um, artificial intelligence to it, but, you know, it wasn't just, you know, you plot it down, and it wasn't autonomous, it was more you had a little bit of control, and so I think that that is really a, a kind of a cool idea um, for a game where you have these little, you know, a little personas that go and, you know, help build and construct a world based on, you know, your ideas and rules. It's funny that you bring that up because actually um, – uh, so here, here's kind of the thing about this. Disney Infinity is really good at, at a bunch of stuff, but it's not really excellent at any one thing. Yep. So, for example, when you, build, when you tell it to build a racetrack, it'll build a pretty good track. But the turns might be a little too tight, or it might have right. you know, there. There might be something where God, I just keep running off the edge of it, and you can go and fix it and stuff. But but it's funny you should mention that because this last time I was kind of just kind of playing around with it, and I'm like, you know. I really want to make a really good racetrack. So I went and booted up Little Big Planet Karting, and it, that's exactly what it has. Is it has this mm -hmm. roller brush, mm -hmm. and you basically control kind of an X, Y, Z kind of thing, and you basically just this roller brush goes forward, yeah. and you turn it to the left or turn it to the right or elevate it or lower it, and it'll build the terrain around it, and then you have a, a, a track it that connects is, to the finish line. Yeah, smart where enough you just drove, yeah. and it'll tell you, like, where does it go? Mm -hmm. And then you can yeah. even add stuff like, okay, I want a branching path, and you can then yep. track along your, your track and say, okay, I want the branching path to start here and then pop, 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 pop. I want it to end here and it'll figure out where that's supposed to go and mm -hmm. then so like that is an excellent excellent 
racing, you know, do-it-yourself racing kind of building game. Um, and and I, I just I would love to see this get better. Um, mm-hmm. But that I'm, one, I'm, I'd say the Little Big Planet one is a little bit more hands-on. You know, uh, you, yeah. you can't really yeah. give it, you know, relinquish control to the game and say, hey, build this. Uh, I, I don't know that I would say that's a bad thing, though, because oh, it, no. it, even when it's more hands-on, it's so easy to do still. Like, you don't mm-hmm. have to necessarily build all that stuff around it. But, there, mm-hmm. you know, there's, like, cool uh, terrain texturing where you can say, all right, oh, you know, widen this space right. and then make, the ele- make it this elevated. Or bank and the turn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so it can do all those kinds of things. And you can get a pretty decent – I mean, uh, like I said, I sat down with yeah. it, and I just wanted to dick around for, like, ten minutes. And I came up with a, you know, a pretty right. good track that I yeah. thought I, I – I spend so, more uh, time with the mountains and the scenery than I do with the track. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I kind of build that. I kind of build, you know, the, just a basic track and get get hung up when, you know, the trees instead of, you know, anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or the hazards, you know, putting in the, the little things. And that's mm-hmm. all stuff that you can do in Disney Infinity also. And then just, you know, put your character on the pad and kind of play around and just have fun or edit it, you know, and be like, ha I'm going to, you know, summon a, an attack helicopter and start blowing. I mean, that's one of my favorite things to do is just spawn enemies and then get, you know, a, a recognizer from Tron or something and just start blowing crap out of things. Um, so, so to me, that, just to, again, bring it back to the, to the original concept, when, when I look at something like that, and, and, you know, again, I guess on some level, the Disney Infinity characters or the Skylanders characters are just a skin with different abilities. I mean, I guess in, in some sense, what is a character? You know, but something that looks a little different and has different abilities versus something like an amiibo, which, you know, it's good. And I know you can do the AI training for for your Smash Brothers uh, character yeah. and level it up. But it's, you know, it's just like, OK, scan. It. It's like scanning your vegetables at the checkout or something. It's like, beep, OK, right. you know, and then you, and then you take it off and then you don't do anything with it. I, yeah. They, yeah, there's definitely a, a Nintendo <laughs> appeal to it. I don't deny that. But when it went, but for me, on kind of having to decide, like I don't have money to just throw away on this. It would be nice. I mean, it would be cool to have some amiibos kicking around. But if I have a choice to buy any given amiibo versus to buy buying like, hey, Spider Man, man, I want to swing on some goddamn webs mm-hmm. and you know, or do Venom you think or that Nintendo has a plan to bring these into a no. game? No, no, yeah. no. If they do, it's going to be so far down the road. I mean, right. I, I've heard at this point because the other thing about it, if I mean the whole thing about amiibo shortages and are they discontinued? Are right. they not discontinued? Yeah. Are they canceling people's pre-orders. The great they, amiibo hunt. Yeah, it's mm. just it, you, you know, know that that's actually turned me off from the whole thing because I bought two and then I heard that that Nintendo purportedly is they're the ones kind of pulling the strings behind this. And they're creating these yeah. shortages and things like that. And that kind of turned me off. It's like, uh, I, don't I don't really, really have is the that, time is, to, to go is look that for Is that confirmed or just a rumor? It's, no. a, it's a rumor. I, I, I don't believe that they would necessarily be willfully doing it. I just think that part of it is I don't know that they knew really how. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. Manufacturing stuff like that is tough. I mean, it's but tough you the know, there, there's people that can crunch the numbers. And if we produce, yeah, well, the, they're, we, they're we produce X at Y price, there's going to be this much demand for it. You know, but they're, I, they're I not – this statue may be a new kind of market for them, but they still have the data to figure that out. And so I, I'm skeptical of these shortages. The thing, the thing is it also – it's – you're talking about the Wii U here, and the Wii U has not been as popular as, you know, the sure. PS4 and the Xbox One. So t- obviously, you know, they're going to be a little bit tighter with – their wallet when and, it comes to manufacturing stuff and then mm-hmm. on top of that like okay we're gonna release marth 
like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of people would even care about that character. But oh my yeah. god, it's rare. Now everybody wants it. I just feel like it's probably more like you just never know. And I, I'm willing to give Nintendo the benefit of the doubt, but it is what it is. Um, it definitely strikes me as kind of an afterthoughty sort of thing. I mean, they're plugging them into Mario Kart and Hyrule Warriors and Smash Brothers. And like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool. And if I, and if I were in Nintendo's position and I'm like, oh shit, I want to come up with a toy. I've got to think of something to do. Good for them. They came up with mm -hmm. something that, that they can do, and it's not, it's not terrible. Do you, but... do you remember the uh, Pokemon statues for the for the game? They had these little tiny ones. So this isn't their first go around. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? For they had a uh, Pokemon game for Wii U. Uh, it was not the traditional kind of light role playing game, but it was another one because the uh, Wii U has the uh, NFC. Um, type yeah. and so I have two of them. I have some little strange Pokemon. They're, they're geometric. They're not you know smooth at all. But this was you know not something that was new for Nintendo. Yeah, I, I don't know though. I just think I mean Nintendo is not. They, they may have been in the past a toy company. They are not I'm currently a, a toy right. company. <laughs> I don't think they're necessarily even interested in getting into the toy business. I honestly, I think I think they became interested when these right. things started selling out all over the place. And not just the, you know, the Marths and the Wii Fit trainers and villagers and whatever. But, I mean, it, it's like around Christmas, I mean, you had trouble finding Mario. Mario sold out on Amazon for a while. And, I mean, God, God knows how many Marios they created. It was probably the most popular one of the bunch. I, I could see someone from Nintendo, though. And, and, and honestly, if I were in Nintendo's shoes, I don't know that I would personally take this as a signal to, like, full steam ahead, let's just build the hell out of them. I, yeah. I would st – and just Nintendo being who they are, I could still see them being really cautious about it, as they probably should be. Um, but, but like I said, from a consumer, the consumer experience throughout this whole thing has been really bad. Uh, yeah. just, just not what you want it to be uh, in that, in that sort of situation. So like I, I said, I don't think it's just, you know, just, you know, having trouble finding, you know, certain figures because, you know, they only put four in this case or whatever. It's also finding a figure with a decent paint job because the quality control on these things is really sketchy. Yeah. Like weird munchy faces and things Painting like that. outside the lines. I, I had to sift through over two dozen, uh, uh Star Fox, uh, figures to find w the one that I ended up with, with and he is about as, as good of a paint job as I ever saw over there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's just yeah, and uh, there's issues with uh, some Samus figures. You know, I, I have a uh, like I have that. a Kirby. He's kind of derpy. One of his eyes is a little bit higher than the other. Uh oh, he's got the it surprise look. That the that the quality would be so inconsistent and poor. I know. Well, it, remember it, when it, they showed them, like Jeremy said, you know, their prototypes were looking really good. And then when they came out, it was like, ooh, geez, what yeah. happened, guys? Right. And that's another thing. And not to, like, really – and I should disclose something here, too. I do have a little bit of a preference for Disney also because they're a hometown developer. Uh, Disney Avalanche is based in Salt Lake City, so mm -hmm. I just want to get that out of the way. But, well, the, the uh, quality of their figurines, both the, I, I think the Skylanders, it's just, you know, really good. They feel solid. They feel heavy. The, the paint jobs are pretty much, you know, I, I probably own about 10 of the Disney ones are immaculate. There, there's no, you know, problems with that. And, um, and, and one of the cool things also about, about Disney. Hawkeye, Hawkeye like looks it. a little lame, but, yeah. <laughs> Hawkeye's just a little lame. <laughs> yeah, <in general>. exactly. <laughs> 
but uh, but the the way for Disney in particular that because they had to try and and uh, homogenize, they had to come up with one art style for all of these. Yeah, that that would come together really well. I mean, Skylanders are completely new creations, so they you know they pretty well have that going for them where they could just create something and it, it automatically fits. But with Disney, the other thing that I really admire is the fact that they've taken all of these different animation styles and live action things. Uh, you know, Jack Sparrow, for example, looks like he fits in a similar universe as, you know, Maleficent or, or Tinkerbell or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, and, and that is reflected in the sculpt uh, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, not that not that Amiibos don't have that. I mean, they, there are definitely some really impressive, like Donkey Kong is a big, heavy, nice. You know, you can. Uh, sometimes there's just something nice about having some weight to it, but. Yeah, but you know, but like, almost there's an internal uh, there's inconsistency in the style and the quality of them of, of, of the Nintendo's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so anyway, I, like I said, I, partly I, I like to, to troll um, amiibo people because I know that you're out there <laughs> listening. Mwah, love you, amiibo people. Uh, but they're they're not terrible products. They're just not great products. Right. Um, and I again, think they're I, a little they overpriced. I, I probably would have bought more if they were nine ninety nine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I will tell you that I don't buy even a lot of the Disney Infinity things at the full price either, because I nope. think even the I think the Disney ones are even retail for more. I want to say they're like thirteen ninety nine as opposed to right. twelve for Skylanders. I just got Hulk for I think it was five bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, for so, example, right now I'll buy I anybody to... for five bucks. Exactly, <laughs> like, dude, I will tell you, I was I'm on the Sears website right now because I got a ten dollar gift card or something just for the hell of it, and I'm like, okay, give me Barbosa something. Barbosa. For... Yeah, and I'm looking at I'm looking at like uh, Samuel. What's Samuel Jackson's character's name? I can't think of him. Uh, Nick Fury. Yeah, Fury. Uh, you know, looking at Nick Fury, I'm like, who cares about fucking Nick Fury? But I'm, you know what? For five dollars, sure, I'll take three. Hey, man, Nick Fury is super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, and I mean. So that's the other thing too is that uh, with 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 any of these, I'm sort of inclined to like not just get the ones that I'm personally interested in, but you know I just gotta get all of them, you know. And and the the other thing about the amiibos is at this juncture, I feel like there is zero chance that I will ever have all amiibos. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean they're talking about if they even mm-hmm. do re-releases, they're talking about just making them into basically pogs or something like that, where the near yeah some sort of just, cards. Or... Yeah, and like <laughs> yeah. Don't even, don't even bother. Pogs? You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, they've decided to try to bring back Pogs with something that they couldn't even make good-looking to I begin want a, with. I want a Pikachu slammer in right pog now. pog form. <laughs> that seems like a weird choice. You know, I mean, honestly, I'm dreading uh, Wave 3 with the Amiibos because they're going to have store exclusives, one at Toys R Us, one at Best Buy, mm-hmm. one at Target, and probably oh, Walmart. God. One of games was it Walmart or GameStop? I, I'm or... just guessing. GameStop has oh, had... GameStop has uh, Shulk. Shulk. Yeah. I'm who, just uh, who praying. again? Like Shulk, right from Zeno? What's it? So like, yeah. who cares? But 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 he's going to be super sought after because yep. of what has become a self-created shortage situation. So yep. <sighs> so, Wait, did you say self-created? Sure. Yeah, like it's just a self-fulfilling. Oh, okay. Like negative. I thought you mean sell from Nintendo. Never mind. Oh but yeah, you're no, agreeing no. with me. Yeah, no, 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 no. No conspiracy. Just, just that, just that they, yeah, not not on purpose, just through their own <laughs> negligence, incompetence. Uh, no, but again, like I said, it is a complicated thing. I'm sure to try and to try and really. I mean, that's the other thing of it too is these things came out really fast. 
I mean, I was expecting them to be over the course of six months, maybe before you see the next one or whatever. But they're like, boom, two weeks, boom, boom, wave two, wave three. Yeah. And I just, I don't even know what it takes right. to have a pipeline to. And the and you know, and land launching during holiday season when there's a bunch yeah. of other stuff going on, it's really hard to pay attention. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't. And not just, only that, I mean, it's like the the general release schedule has been just complete completely just a question mark for everybody it's yeah. like oh this store in in california has a luigi but uh target in nashville doesn't and and, and they say it's not coming out for another week but they're yeah. shipping and, from the kmart and they're street dating they're on the shelves in best buy but you can't buy them for another three weeks i mean yeah. it's just it's been a complete clusterfuck in that regard yeah so kind of like the Eagle says, I have just – for a long time I was like waffling, like, oh my god, what should I do? Should I get Amiibos? Oh, do I want Amiibos? I don't know if I want Amiibos. What, do I, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. And so then I just kind of sat back and I took a deep breath and I said, you know what? <sighs> Disney, look how, look how it's doing it. If Amiibos became something like Disney, you know what? And I even tweeted about – you know what? I tell you what. If Nintendo somehow gets – I mean I know Rare is, is owned by Microsoft at this point, but there's one Amiibo mm-hmm. that I, I would throw away – Banjo? All my, nope. The Great Mighty Pooh. Oh, uh, Conker. From from Conker. Yeah. If there were if there were a Great Mighty Pooh, you know, the other thing I've thought about doing with these things too is, uh, and I, I'm surprised I haven't seen more of this, but it seems like you could just take the near field chip out of any of these and put it onto any other thing, and like get a custom amiibo or you know, hey, like I'm you gonna know, they take. Have, they have a, like some sort of a spoofing app on Android. Yeah, yeah, or you know, being able to reprogram your own things. I mean, maybe you could even do some third part. I don't know. I don't know what. Just take you know, break the break the base off of a Mario, sew him into a Mario plushie, and guess what? I've got an amiibo Mario plushie. You know, I don't know. I, but uh, anyhow, Jeremy's great... cooking up a Kirby sex toy. I, I am so. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, so rare. If you're listening to this podcast, and I know you are, uh, make it happen. The Great Mighty Pooh. I will disavow all Disney Infinity for Great Mighty Pooh. Jeez, you're fickle, Jeremy. You went on this whole thing about how much you love them, and now you're like, one, one figure, that's all I need. <laughs> I, then. All I need is the He's one. He's banking on it never happening. Yeah, unless, exactly. Unless, I can say whatever I want. There's no way. Unless I make one. Unless I hack exactly. one together. Unless someone... Uh, all right, so that was Disney Infinity and then uh, some bonus Amiibo coverage there. Uh, a couple of other things. I'll try and keep it short again. Uh, actually, let me talk kind of briefly. This is something I wanted to talk. Uh, had wanted to talk about on the last show but didn't have a, a chance to, to really get it in was uh, Gauntlet, the new gauntlets on right. PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was on my outline. I don't think I didn't talk about this before, did I? Did no. I, talk about gauntlet? I don't think I. Did. So gauntlet is uh, everybody. Has anybody here not played a gauntlet game of some kind in some form? Every, everybody has, right? Never everybody. played it. Yep. What? I'm kidding. Gauntlet? No, I love I love gauntlet like one and two. Are we talking like the hack and slash brawler? Tech yeah. Well, not R- brawler, originally by Atari. Yeah. 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 So overhead. So, yeah. Going all the way back to Atari, where and in uh, yeah, and in, in uh, arcades where it was a top-down sort of dungeon crawler kind of thing, mm-hmm. uh, designed to eat quarters. You'd have the the uh, barbarian, the Valkyrie, the elf, and the wizard, uh, and your life meters would count down unless you got food. You have shots that you can shoot out, like little axes or arrows or whatever, to to get ghosts and and lobbers and and all kinds of things. Uh, and basically, you go through endless dungeons. Uh, the thing never ends. Uh, one of my you know greatest memories was uh, playing 
on the original NES, the four-player adapter, yeah. uh, and I got my parents to play, and we had like one weekend, one Saturday, where from pretty much morning until night, we're like, all right, we're going to beat this. Because I think there was a – I don't think it would ever end. Like I think you could just give yourself endless continues, and we're like, we're going to see the end of Gauntlet. So we played it and played it and played it, handed off. Okay, I got to go to the bathroom. All right, your turn, switching off. My mom and dad were playing. It was so awesome. We got to the very last one. I can't even remember what level it was. Hundred and who knows what. And then it started over again at level one. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. But ever since then, I mean, Gauntlet I think has been in my life in some form or fashion pretty much ever since. I think after the NES one, the next version was probably the uh, the PlayStation and N sixty four Gauntlet Dark Legacy. I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. I think that's uh, what I played. I yep. rented it from Blockbuster or something like that. And it, a pretty different kind of experience, but man, sitting down with my brothers and sisters, and again, we played ours on the N64, so four players, mm-hmm. um, you know, playing the same levels over and over again, finding the secrets, leveling up your characters, getting your, you know, your uber form or your special form or whatever the, you know, the wizard would become something else and uh, all, all kinds of things. And then after that was uh, Gauntlet Seven Sorrows, I think, on the PlayStation Two, which I think was fairly roundly derided as just a, a bad game. It wasn't bad. It was a little weird. Um, but but Dark Legacy was pretty weird. And and then after Seven Sorrows, I don't think there's been another Gauntlet. There was a canceled one that they were making for the uh, for the DS. Uh, and then this one now Gauntlet mm-hmm. on the PC, and it's just called Gauntlet. Uh, so in the same way that Tomb Raider and uh, everything now is coming back with just the name, this one is just called Gauntlet. And it's made by. Uh, has anybody played uh, Magicka? Magica. Yeah. yeah, so everybody's played Magicka, right? Uh, this is by Arrowhead, I think, is the studio that uh, is behind Magicka. And uh, again, the same same general idea as any given gauntlet. But this, I think, blends some of your classic gauntlet. And, you know, I mean, if, if, if you look back at that, at that history of games that I've just kind of laid out, most of them are pretty different from one another. I mean, for the most part, they, they just have the very basic idea in common. Mm-hmm. Where it's like we've got a preset level, uh, monster generators are happening. Well, Gauntlet 1 and 2 were pretty similar. Yeah, that's true. And and I, I would venture to say that there's probably, not only are they pretty similar, but I'd say that one, you know, Gauntlet 2 probably came directly from Gauntlet 1. Mm-hmm. So there, it was just you know, like, hey, let's do another one. More levels. Um, but But since then, I mean, I don't know that there's necessarily been a real common gauntlet standard aside from like i said just the general idea that hey you're in this maze uh hey you need keys there's you know hams that you can eat that'll give you or turkey legs or whatever uh and then you have magic death in everyone death is i think one of the common ubiquitous yep in the same way that final fantasies are all different except for the chocobos you know same Mm -hmm. same sort of thing death appears in all of them um and i would say that that gauntlet on the pc is a pretty um don't take this the wrong way, but I'm going to say that it, it's um, it kind of takes the average of, of all of those things. It, it's more or less kind of like what you would expect if you were to mix up uh, Magicka and Gauntlet and, and kind of mm. keep the, the the same idea consistent throughout. So it's um, it, it kind of looks more like original Gauntlet, so it doesn't do the 3D... I, I mean, it is in 3D, but it kind of has this consistent isometric overhead view. Um, even on PC, and I don't know if this is coming out on any other platforms. Currently, it's PC exclusive. I think there's been some talk that it's coming to other... Uh, coming to consoles, but they say pretty much all throughout, this is designed to play with a controller. Um, so you can use mouse and keyboard. I never have. I just plug in the old DualShock 4 and, and away I go. 
Um, but uh, isometric standard overhead view, and uh, you play any of the four characters, the Barbarian, the Valkyrie, the Wizard, or the Elf, uh, and each one of them plays a little bit differently than the other. So on your four face buttons on the controller, uh, you're gonna have, there, there's no automatic attack. So I think in all of the other gauntlets, and I, I'm not sure about Seven Sorrows, but there was sort of a quote-unquote attack, mm-hmm. which was basically you would run into bad guys at the expense of some of your health, yeah. and they they would die basically mm-hmm. eventually. So you would sort of, we always joke that we were eating the people, you know, just kind of moving into them and just like gobbling them up or whatever. Um, there's not, there's not really that here. So all of your attacks, you have to hit an attack button. Uh, you're also going to have a special attack, a magic attack. And um, I've, there's something I'm missing here, but they all, they all have kind of that, that same general idea. But the, for example, the barbarian has this lunge that he does that has a, an area attack. Uh, the Valkyrie, which is my personal favorite, I'm Team Valkyrie, has a um, the shield throw. The shield, as long as it has momentum, it can keep uh, hit. It's sort of like Wonder Woman. It reminds me of when Wonder Woman throws. What is it? Doesn't she throw something? And it. Maybe it's Captain America. Captain America's Captain, shield. Yeah, Captain yeah. America throws the shield. I thought Wonder Woman threw something. Maybe she her, her lasso. Uh, her, yeah, maybe not. Maybe a Tiara? Maybe. So her maybe panties? Throws her bra at some point. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so she does this Captain America throw, and uh, uh, you know the uh, the elf has, of course, a, a lot of different range attacks. The wizard is kind of interesting because he has kind of almost a Magicka... So in Magicka, the, the, the arrowhead, uh, you basically had unlimited mana. You would just have to build your spells out of different elements, out of preset button presses. Uh, and the wizard kind of works like that, so he takes a little bit more time to kind of wrap your head around. Uh, they also have uh, a lot of scripted events like bosses, or there's kind of a, a death chase. So in, in this game, death uh, kind of takes a form of a special level where uh, he chases you through tunnels and through corridors, and you try and get as much treasure as you can. So one of the things that's fun about Gauntlet is that it's a combination of competitive and cooperative. So so it's cooperative in the fact that you need each other to keep everybody alive and keep going, but there's also a competitive gold uh, and experience kind of uh, 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 you, you know you you want to you want to get more than than people and and get a bonus for it, uh, and that creates a really fun dynamic to it. I, I have to be honest, I don't know that Gauntlet is anything super special just generally. I mean, like I said earlier, it's kind of about an average of, of all of the other games that you play mm-hmm. to kind of. You know, right smack in the middle, but it's way fun because of the multiplayer component, and I know that's a little bit of a cop-out because almost everything is fun multiplayer. I mean, if you're playing with the right people, you can play with, with random people. You can do friend mm-hmm. matchmaking or whatever, but um, generally speaking, it's not a bad way to spend some time, um, and it really feels like... It, the, the thing that it feels like the most to me is it feels more like Dark Legacy, where mm-hmm. the... All of the themed levels kind of have their different little elements to them. Within a world, you have you know four or five sub-levels that all kind of follow a, a kind of a progression until you get to a boss character at the end. Um, lots of, of little sort of mini-game type experiences, um, puzzles, opening doors with keys. You know, a little bit of a of a cloak and dagger. Like, okay, am I going to open this? Okay, the elf's going to get there. I better find a way to wipe him out first. There's a crown element to it, kind of like there was in Dark Legacy. Where I got w- one question, Jeremy. One question. One of my favorite techniques and kind of gave it a puzzle vibe was in the original uh, two gauntlets. You could go to a corner and there you could kind of launch your weapon uh, towards kind of the, the lobber chambers and where they couldn't get to you, but you could fire at them. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, well. It, does uh, it have that technique? Because it always felt like, okay, here's an advantage. 
um, I can shoot through this corner where there were two blocks diagonally. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's more of a tech kind of limitation. With, okay. this, with, with this, it's it's a lot more like a Diablo kind of thing, where you're, you're not really going to be able to exploit a lot of the geometry. And, and, you know, here's another thing that I found. I, I was expecting a lot more monster generators. Uh, with this, most of the monsters are, are kind of more preset, and then in different rooms that you come to, there are sort of these little wall, uh, what would you call them, like stopping points, choke points, mm-hmm. where yep. you might have to, and, and a monster generator used to be, you know, three or four hits, and you would take out a monster generator. Here, a monster generator is kind of a mid-level kind of ordeal, because as you're trying to wear it down, it doesn't die that fast, and, and in the meantime, more monsters are spawning around you, so you have to kind of manage with them. So there's there's definitely a flow and, and kind of a pace to this, so mm-hmm. I, I would say that there's not really any um, special exploits that you can do. I mean, I think it, it is more s- sort of airtight uh, an experience technically, but they've got it set to be a certain way uh, or, or a certain pacing or, or um, you know, what have you. So um, it, it does feel kind of like a Diablo. I mean, I, I guess maybe that's a good way to put it, is, is that it, it, it is in the era, it is gauntlet in the era of Diablo. Post-Diablo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and like I said, with the Arrowhead people doing it, obviously that's been their their thing that they've been working on, you know, for the past however long. Uh, and you know, it's it's pretty solid. But I would say that, um, and it's actually been relatively inexpensive. I think I think it launched at like twenty dollars, yep. maybe maybe thirty. Uh, but it's been on sale. Of course, that we've had the Steam Winter Sale, and I think it got down to ten. So uh, definitely worth looking into. And again, if you like me have had Gauntlet in some form or. Uh, you know, in some incarnation in your life at, at all times. And like I said, it was kind of profound to play this new gauntlet and to think, gosh, I've been playing gauntlet a long time. <laughs> um, so if, if you have that kind of, of love for gauntlet, like I do, uh, I think it's definitely worth it. Uh, beyond that, if you're into more of the Diablo experience, the loot kind of experience, this is definitely not a loot game. It is definitely more of an arcade. You collect one thing and it's gold, uh, with maybe a few sidebar, you know, like I said, this crown that, that it does. If you get hit, you lose the crown and somebody else can pick it up. Um, but uh, generally speaking, a lot of fun, especially if you have someone else to play it with. And I'm sure they sell it in the four packs, you know, the four player packs like mm-hmm. they do on um, And uh, it's definitely definitely not a bad way to spend an evening or two uh, with some friends. So. Or parents. Or parents, if you can get them. You know, that was one of the last times I think that I, – I don't know if that ruined them on it, but I think that was one of the last times – I ever got my parents to do like an all day event with me for for that sort of thing. So uh, it broke on the two hundred and fifty sixth level. Yeah, like I said, it was really it was basically like oh, it started over at level one. Mm, all right, well, <laughs> screw these things called games. Never again. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right. L- last one since the last two that I did have been a little bit dated. I'm just going to talk briefly about the uh, Jackbox Party Pack, uh, which I don't know if anybody here is familiar with. Oh, uh-uh. I know. You get like a two tacos, a yeah. <laughs> French fries, and a drink. And food poisoning. And food. <laughs> you know what they call those burgers there? They call them uh, grill scabs. I think they call them. Oh. Those. Yeah. Uh, you don't know Jack, uh, the creator's uh, jelly, jelly ah. vision game? No, you know what? They're called Jackbox games now, actually. They used to be Jelly Vision, but it is yeah. You Don't Know People. And they've recently released a uh, compilation of games, the Jackbox Party Pack, and uh, it is on uh, what platforms? I've been playing it on PlayStation 4, but yeah, it might be on multiple platforms. I, wasn't uh, that a bundle at one time? Well, or was I, it, the, it was in the bundle store. It, it's, so one, on it's one software title, but it's made oh. up of a few kind of sub-games, I guess okay. you might say. 
Um, so let's uh, let's talk about this just a little bit. It includes, of course, You Don't Know Jack, uh, and it's the You Don't Know Jack 2015 edition. We actually talked, I don't know if you guys remember, but a year or two ago, I kind of had that uh, that episode where I talked about nothing but Facebook games. And one of them that I had talked about was the You Don't Know Jack Facebook, which I was really impressed with, partly because of how they you know kept current and they, they uh, made sure that all the, the jokes and references had, you know, it was recently in the news or whatever. And it kind of, I mean, it's it's fun to be playing a quiz game that is that is up to date. You know what I mean? So, and you don't know, Jack, you can, you can still screw your neighbor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, uh, just, just like before, has anybody not played, you don't know, Jack. So everybody kind um, of knows. I might not have. Maybe. Okay. So if you haven't, maybe try out the Facebook version, but you don't know, Jack, of course, is, uh, commonly, uh, referenced as the irreverent, uh, party quiz game, uh, starring the, Indomitable Cookie Masterson, the Masterson's <laughs> MC. He's uh, I th- I'm not sure if that's his real. That can't be his real name, but it's the same. It's the same person. It's the same guy uh, the entire time. The announcer, of course, yeah. He's, he's back for you don't know Jack, which actually got me wondering. I was thinking about Cookie, and uh, I was trying to think of who are the other like video game MCs. Buzz. That, that uh, yeah, Buzz. So Buzz, Buzz is a good one. I was thinking of like uh, I don't know if he counts really as an MC, but like DJ Laszlo from Grand Theft Auto. Oh, and um, yeah, I guess so. yeah, that's from Burnout. <laughs> that was on the tip of my tongue, yeah. James Jeremy. Yeah, so I was DJ thinking about Atomica. that. But, but here's where I'm coming from. I'm thinking that Cookie might be my favorite uh, video game <laughs> MC personality. I like uh, the Buzz it, games, but Buzz was kind of a tool. But Buzz. <laughs> But I liked how he was Muppety and everybody else was like a real person. It kind of made me – I mean yeah. he had arms and legs. Like he wasn't a puppet, but yeah. he had like that, that you know, Bert and Ernie kind of like wedge mouth. Right. But he wasn't very funny. <laughs> no. I, I, you know, I got some laughs out of Buzz. But oh, really? Not, okay. not, often. Yeah, not often. Laughing at him doesn't make him funny. <laughs> right. no, that's, that's a very good point. So You Don't Know Jack is very – self-aware uh in, in fact one of the things i really like is kind of listening to the pre-show sort of banter and someone's like hey everybody remember to ask cookie if he lost any weight even though he clearly hasn't or, or whatever and it's like you're listening to the crew behind the stage and, and, and whatever uh and, and and so like i said it's it's modern it's up to date there are references to i don't know if this is terribly modern but i mean there are jokes about justin bieber and like kim kardashian frozen i mean there's let it go uh, references. oh that's like so t- like 2013 (laughs) yeah it's true um but it feels it feels modern i mean well actually okay so here's the thing it's not just bieber but like one that i was playing recently was uh which of so this or that so like robert mentioned screw your neighbor is a is a game that is uh or or is a is a piece of for two players or more yeah, exactly, where you can basically screw the other person to have to answer right away. Um, there's this or that is, is a common one. There's um, – what's the one where all the, the – like there's this like swirling intense – Oh, are you – Yeah, what's that called? There's a name for that game too. Um, anyway, anyway, so all of your This or that. This or, this that? or that. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, so there was a this or that where it was, you know, which of these things did Curious George get in trouble for, and which of these things did Justin Bieber get in trouble for? And one's Uh-oh. like broke <laughs> leg, falling out of a fire uh, escape, or uh, getting high. Peeing on his house. No, but I was going to say, Jeremy. You know what I like to um, I like to play some of the older. I was playing Jeopardy on SNES. 
Oh yeah. Just to see how horribly dated it is. Oh man. And some and of the some questions of... were just stumpers because uh, it's like yeah. maybe one day man will land on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it wasn't quite that old. No but some, of, some of the ones that we went through like four or five and didn't get a, a correct answer for. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I, Jack... I actually saw a uh, like a old sports trivia game for the Game Gear, the Sega Game Gear, yeah, sealed yeah. at Goodwill once. Yeah. Wow. And I think there's an old there's an old uh, what is it arcade game with trivia. It's like was it Puzzle and Dragons? There's yes, like an yes, old one yeah. from the 80s and yeah, I dare you to try the trivia on that one. It's well, you like know that near impossible. On one of the Capcom Classic Yes, it is on PSP. Yep. And so it's yeah. kind of kind of fun for laughs. Well, and, and the kind of the same thing here. Like, I am pretty good at trivia games, but I am awful at You Don't Know Jack. I mean, the really? way they ask the questions, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so it's, for example, like, Kim Kardashian. Like, we're going to talk about part of Kim Kardashian's, and Kardashian's anatomy. We're going to talk about her brain. How? What percent of Kim Kardashian's brain is made of water? And it's like 50%, 20%, 80%, 30%. And it's, you know, I got it wrong because it's not really about Kim Kardashian. Kardashian it's, about it's more about the water physiology. content of yeah. your brain. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So well, it turns out the answer, and they're like, wrong. Actually, it's 80%. Kim Kardashian's brain, just like yours, is 80% water. But, oh, that other 20% is so firm and round, I just can't stop thinking about it. That's clever. I think that's funny. You Don't Know Jack is so funny, yeah, and it's well so written. much fun every time you play it. Um, and I, you know, I haven't gone back to the Facebook version, but I'm sure they must be keeping it up to date, but it was really fun when I played it a year or two ago. Uh, but So here's another thing about this. Uh, and, and like I said, I wanted to keep this short, but I'm not. Uh, mm-hmm. so if you want to play multiplayer and this is on the PlayStation four version, uh, it's a great party game and you can play it with up to four people in the same room, but you do it with your mobile phone. So every player oh, yeah. has to have a mobile phone, which can be good or it can be bad. In fact, it doesn't require any downloads or anything. They basically just have you go to jackbox.tv. Um, your game has a, like a room code to it. You just put in your room code and your name. It'll automatically connect you. So it does it basically like through the internet. And so you're buzzing in on your phone and the action is happening on the screen, which on in one sense can seem like, ah, oh, what a pain in the ass, which it is. And if you don't have mobile phones, you're kind of stuck. Uh, or you could do it maybe if you have a laptop. I'm sure it would probably work also on a laptop, something with an Internet connection. Um, but on the other hand, it keeps everything clipping right along. You know, you don't have to mess up the screen with everybody's interface. What button did they hit? You don't have even – you don't even necessarily even have names on the screen. I mean it, like Buzz, even though you had those Buzz controllers, it would be like, oh, blue person said this, red person, green person. But it's basically just it keeps rolling right along. And, so, so uh, and then you can have a any... – you could have a double header with SingStar because that also uses mobiles. Yeah, microphone. yeah. In fact, I've been doing that, but I didn't really want to talk about it because it's yeah, sure. not. It, yeah. What What was up with the? Uh, now I downloaded SingStar and I even bought the pack. But one of the things they promised was a number of artists. Uh, I think it was like Coldplay and Bruno Mars, which never I, came out. I think they might be promising that stuff to European SingStar players. Uh, I am. Still they always get. They always get the best I'm, songs. No, I know, but you know, we have. Uh, I don't we know how big. You know, songs. European listeners. How how was Rock Band doing Guitar Hero? Were those big over there? Because maybe we have those instead here, and everybody in those Europe's are dead, like, oh, Jeremy. Octolieber, I want. Hey, I play Rock Band, Rock band all the time. I still play. Three was always. I do still play Rock Band. New content. Give me SingStar, damn it. Yeah, I I kind of was more of a SingStar person, but honestly, the content is just not really fair for it. I'm moving to Monaco. 
Yeah, even <laughs> even some of the stuff that was in your library before, like yeah, like oh yeah, that'll cool. be available. Right. But they have to convert it. So if you yeah. may have things in your previous library that are not available on the new. Oh uh, right, right. Yet. So, yeah, I had about three quarters no... of my library, and I had a pretty good sized library um, convert. But it just redownloads everything. There's... Yeah. Jeremy, yes. there's no way to play, or Robert apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> There's no way, like Jeremy, you have kids, right? So if you have kids and they don't have cell phones, there's no kind of device you can get to let them play. And I don't know if this is true for SingStar too, but for you don't know Jack, is there any way to have them play without a mobile phone? Uh, not really. So that's kind of stupid because it's a family-friendly game. It's not super family-friendly, though. How is that not family-friendly? Well, so, for example, there's another this or that that I did a little bit later on, which was which of these things are a method of tying a necktie and which things are a sex position? <laughs> so, you know, it's like, yeah. So that, no, dude, it's so good, though. It's so funny. Daddy uses like, both before he goes to work. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like the, you know, the Prince Albert. That's a necktie. Uh, you know, I, I can't even I can't even think what that. But it's stuff like that. It's like which of these things are masturbation techniques? The the stranger. Wait. Nope, that's a necktie. That's no, that's well, that's both. Well, I don't know. It's not a necktie. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, yeah, I guess it could be. Um, but anyway, it's it's not terribly family friendly. So it's the kind of thing where you would get a bunch of people over, friends, adults, Few probably who have. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so th- th- that is just one part of this. There are actually five games in the Jackpack. Let me just quickly go through some of the others. Uh, there's a game called. So here and here's why I wanted to transition into this because in you don't know Jack, it basically serves as a buzzer. You know, it's like here's a button or there's the screw. Uh, screw your neighbor button um, but with the other so there's another uh, drawful which is a kind of a Pictionary sort of game where you actually draw on I mean you have to have a touch screen to, to be able to do it so actually come to think of it it probably would not work on a laptop maybe it would I, I, I didn't I didn't actually try it but I was just trying to think of other ways that you might have to do it uh, there's a game called Fibbage where you come up with different little lies and pe- I, I feel like there's a there's an actual board game that's like that too uh, where you what's it called malarkey think so there's fibbage which is a little bit like malarkey and you actually type in you have to type in answers for stuff like that uh word spud which is kind of a word association game actually there's not even really much of a quiz to it it's mostly just like people it's, it's a little bit like apples to apples maybe where you kind of come up with word association and people kind of like it or don't like it uh and then lice water which uh is um actually that one's interesting because you can play with up to 100 people so here's the thing you can play with up to eight people on some of these games and you could not do that with a controller so on one hand it seems kind of inconvenient that you would be like oh well, you got to make sure that everybody's got a, a cell phone but on the other hand you don't have to download an app you don't have to do anything complicated you just point your mobile browser to this certain site put in your name and the, and the room code and you go and you can probably have a lot of fun with it i've only ever played it with just like me and my wife because i don't have friends but uh the um just the the way it all fits together i think ultimately works pretty well but all of that aside you don't know jack i mean if you're going to get it for one thing you don't know jack is is what you're going to be did you ever play one versus a hundred on xbox live I never did, but I heard a lot of people really wanted it because they wanted to do more seasons and like, oh, Microsoft says they're going to do more, but then they never did. Uh, I feel like that was probably as a live event that they actually had to host, and I, I feel like there was probably more technically. Right. That to be it was really it. cool while it was going on, though. Yeah, I never did. I never did. Mm-hmm. I feel like I missed out on that. But yeah. uh, It was just so, a cool idea. I could see you know, someone trying to 
replicate that experience of just, you know, people, community kind of gathering together for like a trivia game. It's kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. So I never did play the hundred person lice water, mm -hmm. but, uh, that seems like it would be a lot of fun. Uh, this game is $25, so $5 per game. I guess if you're considering it a $25 You Don't Know Jack, it could seem a little bit steep. And it also probably depends on... I mean, again, if you've played You Don't Know Jack, you probably really like it, but I don't know if you're going to like it $25 if you're going to have some friends over. Maybe it's just an impulse Wait, buy. is that a position? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yep. If you're going to have friends <laughs> over, you can be like, all right, quick 25 bucks, easy to keep everybody entertained, You Don't Know Jack. Um, but other than that, you know, maybe maybe think about it a little bit. So, mm. uh, for next time, the things I won't be able to fit in this time, but I uh, would like to Freedom Wars on the Vita. Oh, yeah. uh, probably going to be playing. It. Oh yeah, I got that. Sean Nola. Oh, we should all play it then. If we all got it, okay. let's all play that and let's talk about it maybe next time uh, because it it is very much in the Monster Hunter uh, or on this show Soul Sacrifice, right? Which is right. Like bread and butter. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, but it's a new one that just came out here in the last couple months, I think. Six months, mm -hmm. last last little while. Yeah, uh, four about, months, about three months. Yeah, three, yeah. Four. Been playing. Also, Lightning Returns. Finally, been getting around to that. Aqua Kitty, Titan Attack. So I've got a got a list here, but I think I'm going to call it good for now and uh, pass the torch on to Sage. Hello. Hi. Um. Okay. Well, tangent. Uh, segueing off of your tongue in cheek. You don't know, Jack. I'm going to talk about the Stanley Parable, which has anybody played? No. Nope. Uh, all of you should play. I so <laughs> shame on each and every oh, one of you. Yeah, all of you should play. Here, here's why. Because I, if you, yes, Jeremy. I was gonna say I get the Stanley Parable joke, right? Because the well, I guess I should let you talk about it first. I mean, but the thing that I kind of wondered, maybe you can address this as you talk about it. Is it a one-trick pony? No. Okay. Okay. Done. So, but uh, but after my explanation, if you think it is, then we can debate it a little bit. But um, this is one of those games that if you. You will. In I think anyone could enjoy it, but if you are someone who understands video games or has been playing them for a long time, particularly narrative-based games as opposed to brawlers and those kind of things, you will find this um, really, really insightful and really clever. It's one of those games that my brother, my brother gets really like nerdy in a thoughtful way about video games, like ones that have really poignant things. He gets super into them. So this was one of those games that for years he kept pushing me to get. And I was like, nah, you know, fuck you. I'd, I'll get it eventually. And I finally got it, and I actually called him up and apologized to him because I was like, you were absolutely right. This is a brilliant game, and I should have got it a long time ago. So it's really, really, really clever. Um, I was told to play as much of it in one go as I could, and that's advice that I'm going to pass along to anybody who decides to play it because the game really stacks on itself in a really interesting way as you keep playing through the storyline. So um, it's sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure game. There's pathways that through this office setting that you're in that you choose to go different places. Mm, and... Um, it's made better by the fact that it's very tongue-in-cheek and fourth-wall-breaking about it. So you have a narrator talking while you're, while you're doing things. And the <clears throat> intrigue to this is that he is narrating what you're doing while you're doing it, which, of course, creates the opportunity for uh, fourth-wall-breaking if you don't do what he says you're doing. So he'll say, like, you know, Stanley was walking along the hallway and he decided to go through the door on his right. And you can choose not to. You can choose to go a different direction. And if you do, he says... But of course, even though he knew that was the correct pathway, <laughs> he acted like a dipshit and decided to go this other way instead. And then you're questioning yourself. You're like, well, is the narrator trying to screw with me? And I, if I go to the door on the right, I'm going to get killed? Or is he, was he actually telling the truth? 
And if I go down this other pathway, then I'm going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Um, because you die a lot. There's there's one ending that gets you out of the place that you're in. But the interesting thing about this game is that you are supposed to die a lot because that's how you explore the environment. So if you find the way out, the game really sort of ends. But as you keep dying, it restarts you in your office and it's set up like, okay, so Stanley tried that pathway and it really didn't work out for him. So this time he really went through the door on the right. And it it allows you to like I went into there's a closet and if you go into the closet too many times, the narrator gets really annoyed with you. He's like, no, really, there's nothing in this closet. I don't know why you want to sit in there, but you don't trust him. So you're like, fuck it. I'm going to hang out in this closet. And if you go in too many times, like while you're going down all these different pathways later, they'll he'll like board up the door to the closet so that you can't go back in there. He's Uh like, no, really, Stanley, there's nothing in there. I promise there's nothing there. So you have this delightful exchange one sided, of course, because you don't talk with this narrator. And it really plays to the fact that, you know, because of the way they're doing it, it brings up all these ideas of player free will. And do you ever really have free will because the game is sort of pre-structured ahead of you? So it's not really free will. And what the consequential choices are when you when you choose to do something against the grain of where the game is going and the and then the actual aspect of this omnipotent narrator who you know can you can you trust him or not is he really your friend or is he trying to screw you over and all of this with this really dry kind of british sense of humor um so it it it's both thoughtful and a lot of fun it's a you know really neat interactive kind of choose your own adventure it's made a little bit eerie in a portal kind of way by the fact that there's no one else around um, there's evidence of other people around, but you never see anybody. And you get this idea that like, oh, there was someone here not that long ago, but no matter where you go, you can't find anyone else. Mm. Um, so, and, and the, it's got achievements that also have a really interesting sense of humor. Like one of the achievements for the game is, um, I think it's called like you actually went outside or something like that. And you get it for not playing the game for five years. Which is really funny because it's a really enjoyable, replayable game. And so then you're sitting there looking at it and you're like, I have to not play this game for five years to get an achievement? No, what? That's terrible. Hmm. Um, so, it using is that like actually a... true? Does that, is that how it works? Yeah, that's actually one of the achievements. Yeah. But can you spoof it by adjusting the CPU clock? Uh, you know, I, being a person of integrity and, and valor, have never tried that, so... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't know. I haven't ever tried. I guess I could. Um, does Steam? Does that only be cheating yourself? Yeah, that's true. I, I want the achievement of I didn't open this for five years. Um, so yeah, so it's it's really really clever. Um, the interaction with the narrator is super cool. I, I really, I mean, it's totally worth buying. You should absolutely get it, especially if you find um, all of those aspects of video gaming interesting. Uh, and you really should play as much as you can at once. Because as soon as you log out of the game and come back, it starts over more or less from the beginning. And I'm air-quoting around the beginning because you, you're always starting in the same office once you die, but what changes is the more you play in one setting, the more the narrator stacks all the things you've already done on top of each other. So you'll go through a door and he'll be like, like at one point you need the code to get in a door. And if you go through that door so many times, he'll be like, you know what? Fuck it, because you already know what the code is and you're probably sick of me talking about it. So here you go. And he opens the door for you. Um, So you get this really good sense of of another person participating in what you're doing in an almost creepy GLaDOS kind of way. It would be funny if the achievement knew you cheated and called you out for it. 
That would kind of go with the, th- <laughs> the theme you know, of the game. I, I wouldn't be surprised because, like, one of them, one of them says, um, I, this is a little bit of a spoiler, so if you don't want too many of the surprises, then don't listen to this, but one of the achievements is knock on a, you know, p- try to open a particular door five times. So you go and do it because you're like, oh, that's an easy achievement. And then the narrator says to you, you know what, That that's really not worth an achievement. I mean, all you did was knock on the door five times right. so now go over to the copy machine and push the button five times and he makes you do like a number of different things takes you i think like five or ten minutes and by the end of it then finally he's like now now you deserve an achievement now that you ran around and did a bunch of stupid meaningless things just because i told you to for an achievement congratulations <laughs> so the level of humor will appeal to i think all gamers because it's just so tongue-in-cheek about the stupid shit we have to do in games that's never really talked about or explained or or even the clever shit you have to do in games um and and you deciding to go off path or follow the path all of that gets commented on in a really really clever way so it's like comedy bioshock uh (laughs) but more open-ended i mean bioshock is not really open pathway so much it's more like open rooms on a on a rail this this is like you know, there's like a little elevator thing you're taking, and at one point you could choose to jump off of it onto a different platform that's not – you have to be re- – because there's like a sign that says don't jump down, you'll die, which you will. So you can try that, and then you're actually dead. And he's like, Stanley, I told you not to jump. But there's another – there's a little spot where if you jump off right there, you will land on another platform. It's completely off path. It takes you to a totally different area. And he talks to you about the fact that you were willing. He was like, I'm really trying to help you out here, Stanley. And you you don't even care what I have to say to you. I was in the middle of a meaningful story, you know. And um, he gets really offended. And then when you die on that pathway, wherever you, I mean, there's like a million different ways you can go. But once you die, when you're coming back, he's like, you know, that was really dangerous. I'm going to put this thing here. And they like erect a gate so that you can't jump off of the one spot. So it just... It just takes off of everything you do. How, and, how quickly uh, do you die if you follow the narrator's instructions? Yeah, what happens if you do exactly what he says all the time? Right. You, I... Hmm, Conformity. Does it reward? <laughs> it's, I, I will say yes and, and no. I will say that the, the, the trick of the game is that the point of the game is not what you think it is. And if I, if I tell you, if I answer your question directly, it's okay. going to ruin some of the okay. element of the game. So the so the two biggest things are you dying is not a bad thing because you learn more every time you die and it stacks on the story and you really should play as much of it in one sitting as you can. You don't have to, but I would say sit down with like a good chunk of three or four hours so that you get the humor of all of those things evolving as you die. Does that sound like a one trick pony to you, Jeremy? No, no, I don't think so. I, in fact, <laughs> no. I think. Eh, I mean, bit. here's the thing. I uh, do. You, do you remember when uh, Bastion came out? Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, the narrator. Oh, it's so great. He talks about everything that you're doing, even when you do something dumb. I never really found the narrator in Bastion to be all that cool. Like, I expected it to be cooler than it was, maybe. This, okay, this narrator. It was cool went... because no one had done that before. Yeah. Maybe. And no one had like, thought of that before. And his voice is sexy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I found other, <laughs> actually, I found a, a bunch of other things more interesting about Bastion, but that was, I think I just ended up like, yeah, I guess it told me the thing I just did. So I walked across an invisible line and it told me that I'm going this way. And... I, I think for that exact reason, you would like Stanley Parable because he actually responds, he responds to what you're actually doing instead of just narrating what you're doing. Hmm. And so you do get that dynamic back and forth where if you follow what he says, he's like, yes, this is good. 
And if you don't follow what he says, he's like, what is wrong with you? What the fuck? <laughs> Why would you not do what I told you to do? What's your major malfunction, maggots? Kind of, but without the maggots. <laughs> So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you're in good company. A lot of people say it's really good. I just never have. I mean, I, Jeremy, given your your the the humor that you enjoy, like I'm almost willing to go out on a limb and say that if that if you get it and you don't enjoy it, I would refund you the money. Oh I my think, god, I have to. I think you'd <laughs> like it that much. I think you're right. I probably would like it. <laughs> Based on what you've said, I think you're right. Based on the fact I'm gonna lie and get my money back. Yeah, yeah. Here's the. <laughs> I'm gonna send the invoice before I purchase it. <laughs> Jeremy, I was totally lying to you. What? <laughs> Why would you do yes. something like that? <laughs> yeah, you can't tell if my fingers are crossed, really. <laughs> um, so anyway, super recommend it. Really, really good. Um, moving right along, I I want to talk about Swapper, but I want to briefly, before I talk about Swapper, I just want to bring up the Talos principle. I don't want to talk about it too much because I haven't gotten to play through enough of it yet. But I want to say that from what I've what I've looked at and what I've played, it is amazing. It it similarly, I mean, I have a similar theme this week, which is games that have sort of an amount of philosophy in them and really cool Easter eggs. And Talos Principle has amazing Easter eggs all over the place and a lot of really interesting um, allegory and 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 philosophy related to humans and their place in the world and God and. So I, I don't want to talk about it too much yet unless you guys have played it, but it's another really clever puzzle game that has a lot of interesting uh, philosophy going on in it. Have you guys played it yet? You know what it is, right? Alice Principle, you mean? Yeah. Uh, what did no, I say? No, I haven't. You see, well, you were you, you were talking about the Swapper, but then you shifted to Talos. No, no, I wanted to bring it up because it I, it's a game that I think people are going to start playing more and more, but like Talos Principle, Swapper has a lot of really clever puzzles and a lot of... Um, there seems to be this theme in both of them about knowledge and its connection to words and understanding of words and language is what gives you knowledge. And I just found it to be an interesting overlap that these games that I looked at both had that as sort of a key component of their philosophy. Hmm, that is kind of interesting. Um, but why don't we talk about Swapper? Because I know you guys, we, most of us have played it, except Blue, right? You didn't play it yet, Blue? No, I haven't played it yet. Um, but so you can, you can ask us poignant questions as we talk about the game Swapper. So, um, Swapper, I'll start. And then if you guys want to jump in Swapper, what I love about it is the simplicity of the controls, because I think that allows you to focus more on the atmosphere and the puzzles and the atmosphere is cool. Cause it's like kind of eerie in that dead space sort of way. You don't really know what's going on and everything feels a little strange and you're alone, but then you're not alone. Um, and I thought the, puzzles were actually really fun like they're clever enough and they get more and more difficult enough that it keeps your attention without feeling like it's getting repetitive so you should talk about how this game works like what is swapper so so swapper works um you you only can you move right and left across uh scrolling screens um and the you can jump and you have a you pick up a little portal gun type gun that lets you make clones of yourself and the benefit to making clones is that they will do exactly what you're doing when you do it. And you can also swap in between yourself and the other clones and become the clone, hence the name Swapper. So you can make up to four clones and you position them in places to, you know, land on switches, move across conveyor belt type things, those kind of things. Um, and has a timing element, which is really interesting, where you can make a clone and... Sh- 
shoot to him right away and time slows down as you're making a clone just enough that if you were falling off of something say you could like make clones in the air and and zip between them to get back to the top of a ledge yeah. um so if so i could that, just add some clarification it's sort of a i sure. would call it like a middle um mid-level quality kind of presentation. I mean, it's 2D, like Sage says, but it's not like... Um, I, I think a lot of times when people think of 2D puzzlers, for some reason, in my mind, I automatically think of, you know, pixel sprites and things like that. But yeah. it, it, it is it is more like a... I mean, it's nice looking, uh, and yeah. you basically play a man kind of in a space suit. Uh, so you have kind of a dome face and kind of a, you know, fluffy body. And your are the only thing that you can do aside from moving left and right, and you know you watch him walk left and right and turn around and stuff like that and jump. Um, but he, the the control that you have is basically your arms. Like if you can picture someone has a fixed arm, but you have it on like a little pinwheel or something, so your arm can go all the way around in 360 degrees. And what that is is you're aiming this gun, this swapper that Sage was talking about, that you use to both make clones of yourself, so it'll actually make a copy of your spaceman character either up on a ledge or down in a pit or just next to you or whatever uh, but then you also use that same gun to s transfer your soul from you to another one and then once you have clones as you move left or right or jump the clones will also do the same thing so for example you might put a clone a few yards away underneath you know maybe maybe across from a pit or something and then you walk and then he walks and maybe your character is going to fall down into the pit and die but right before you do that you shoot your soul into the other character and then your original body becomes like this dead clone that then falls and crumples to the ground, and then you carry on in this next body that you've created, if that makes right. sense. Does, yeah. Does that, yeah. did you follow me, Blue? Yeah. Okay. I'm, 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 you're, you're with. Okay. All right. Sorry. Go, go ahead, Sage. Carry on. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't, it's, it's a really simple game. I don't know, other than saying that the puzzles are really clever and, and the story element is, is there, which is good. So it's not just, you don't feel like you're just randomly puzzling. Um, there's a like mysterious character that you follow in the beginning, um, and you open up these portal gates. To I actually got a little bit of an alien feel, for, like Waylon Yutani feel from it, where it was like, well, we really want the the material on that planet. We don't really care about your people that are down there and and have been down there a long time. So you know, fuck you. It, it um, is, it is, it's a little bit Metroidy kind of, where yeah. you're basically on this dead ship. And as you explore it, there are places that are locked off, and in order to, to open a doorway or to activate some piece of machinery to get through, you have to have completed other puzzles and gotten the points from those puzzles. Right. And, and, and I like what you said earlier, because the way I think of this is, is it's definitely dead space. Yeah. And then also kind of like you were saying, aliens, but, but then kind of like a teleportation puzzle game as well. Right. So it's very moody. Yeah. It's very serious. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it talks a lot about the nature of your soul. Like, what does it mean that I'm shooting my soul into this other body and I can create infinite clones of myself? And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, how, 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 how does this work? And you're trying to find out what has happened on this ship. So as you go through this, and I said Metroid because you can find these logs that are left over from people. And they're sort of like partial bits of stories of like, oh, the chief scientist says that it's okay to do this. But gosh, I sure don't feel good about it. But, right. you know, oh, now so-and-so started acting a little weird. So we had to leave him on the planet. But then we were trying to eject this thing out into space. And so you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on that everybody else is gone on this ship and, uh, and progress. Which, 
I feel like is such a successful element, like like Talos principle uses that too, but so have, I mean, a, a lot of games have used those principles and, and, you know, like Bioshock does it in the, in the vein of seeing ghosts in places and other games do it by finding books and journals. And I, I think it's such a good way of creating history and, and mystery that slowly unfolds as you piece it together without having a narrator or having a lot of exposition by yeah, other characters. It's there for you if you want it, but you don't have yeah. to read it if right. you don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, and it works effective. It like keeps in, in this, it keeps the mood going uh, because everything has this feel of like, uh Oh, some bad thing is coming and I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. What platform are you playing it on? Uh, PC. So it's also on uh, PlayStation. It's on PS4 for sure. It's on Vita for sure. I don't know if it's on PS3, uh, but it is cross-save. So okay. if you're playing on a PlayStation platform, you can play and then save your game and then take it mobile with you if you have it installed on your Vita as well. Uh, by the way, I believe that the uh, on, on PlayStation platforms, it is going to be on the PS Plus collection in January. Oh, nice. Oh, good. Yeah, it was on one of the Steam holiday sales, but I don't know if that's still going on because I got it a couple weeks ago. Robert, you said you played it too, right? Did you like it? Yeah, I really dug it. Yeah. It's been a few months. <laughs> this is this is one of those games. The only other thing I want to add is that if if it doesn't sound attractive to you based on what you've heard, I don't know that it'll really change your mind very much. But it is one of those games where it's super satisfying because if if you can't figure, like when you figure there, a puzzle out, you feel really smart. Yeah, there, there's if, a limited that, uh, solution set, so right. you, you never get stuck and there are at least a couple that i feel like i sort of fudged my way through somehow because it is it is sort of (laughs) physics based uh and like sage was saying you can in the middle of so there's another component to this that we didn't talk about at all which is there's this anti-gravity uh bit to it so you might step on a panel and suddenly gravity is reversed and you flip to the you know up is now down Uh uh-huh and uh only clones that uh that touch that pad you know because there's certain areas that that happens they'll do that, but they'll continue to still move left and right. So you can use that to sort of bump them into walls, but you can keep moving to kind of create exactly the right distance between you so that then you can get a good shot to transfer your soul. Mm-hmm. So things like that happen, and, and they can get really, really hairy, these puzzles can get. Uh, and I've had several situations where I've just, I'm like just fried. Like I just cannot figure it out, and then I'll come back and just like boom, get mm-hmm. it. And so it's one of those oh. kinds of games. Oh. So Yeah. I, it's worth checking out. I mean, especially if you, I think when I got it on sale, it was like two 250 or something so if you find it on sale um it's it's super worth checking out even if it's not on sale but at least that way it's less of a commitment monetarily Mm. um the ps plus lineup for this month i'm definitely gonna check it out yeah because it it sounds like something i'd probably i'd probably end up losing a couple hours too yeah no it's worth it it's good um so that's swapper super good eerie hooray uh, the only other stuff I played, um, which I played a lot of, but it's old stuff. I played a lot of Borderlands 2, and I played a lot of DayZ. Um, and I won't talk about them because they're older games and they've been around for a while, except I'll say that Borderlands 2 is awesome and has good difficulty increase as you play.
Welcome to another edition of Indie Outlook. I am your host, Robert Desert-Eagle-Allen, and with me is the sorceress of social media. I'm talking about Sai. <laughs> Hello. How are Happy the triplets? New Year. How are the triplets, Sai? Oh, dear goodness. Uh, yeah, we have a new puppy. Yay. He's a troublemaker. Yay. That's off to Nothing but put a... <laughs> Nothing but put a love. Uh, so I want to open up uh, today's discussion with a game called Mousecraft came out a few weeks ago on PS4 been around uh, even longer on uh, PC so two of the uh, first puzzle games I ever played uh, way back when was Tetris and if you can recall a little game by Lemmings uh, Team 17 and I must have over the years have poured weeks into both those games and the long list of sequels copycats and uh, variants surprisingly no no developer has really tried to merge Tetris and Lemmings, at least until Mousecraft. So what you do is you use Tetris's set of uh, tetronomos, and players start each level with a limited kind of number of pieces that they can position around the playfield. So that the mice, they start at one side of the screen, they walk to the other, so that they walk to the end goal. And of course, the the um, ambition there is cheese. The, the tutorial does a good <laughs> job of covering kind of the the tenants of play, they tell you that mice only scamper up a single block higher and they're able to fall, what is it, three blocks without injury. Other small bits, like little little tiny things you learn yourself, such as the rodents, they don't have the ability to jump across a single block app. We need mecha mice for that. So each each play field is, is filled with dangers beyond the falls, of course. There's things like acid, there's electricity, there's explosives all over the place. Luckily, these elements aren't always framed as dangerous. Players can pick up things like bombs that destroy a single piece. And you, they do that without even hurting the mice. So other rodent-saving superpower issue in your arsenal is the ability to freeze time, which is really essential for collecting these three pieces of blue crystal, which serve as an optional goal for each level. So the puzzles themselves, they, they get fairly difficult soon. They, they really test the cognitive abilities of players. Fortunately, there is a quick undo that resets the level. What doesn't exist, though, is any kind of hint system. So... After losing all three of my mice about ten times, the game didn't even give me a, a single, just a hint or a suggestion. There is um, only three of them? Yeah, there's three mice. The other blemish <laughs> is the is the game's cat, um, the, the single cat, uh, named after the paradox conceived by a physicist, um, Erwin Schrodinger. Um, he's an interesting personality. He riffs off the mad scientist trope. Unfortunately, he's not voiced, and that really feels like a missed opportunity. Like, I really wanted to hear this cat speak. But he's constantly in the background. Yeah, he's in the background. He's watching everything. And so but he's, was he's that some sort of like a background animation? The levels change, but he's always kind of watching the mice go head to the cheese, and, you know, he gets happy when they, when they finally make it. You know, this is all framed as an experiment. Each level is an experiment. And he's trying to gain funding so he can keep his experiments going but he never really talks i kind of wanted him to talk so besides <laughs> these <laughs> i want those talking cats <laughs> besides these two minor blemishes though mousecraft is definitely worth uh, seeking out uh it's on the playstation store as i mentioned for pc owners it's been included in a few bundles I, i've seen a price drop as low as four dollars and some change last week which is kind of an awesome deal for this uh, brain buster. Well, it is up to fourteen ninety nine now. Yeah, yeah, that's the regular price. So, so have you played that one? It's actually kind yet? of interesting. No, mm -hmm. I'm actually checking it out, and actually kind of interesting because you do have a limited amount of mice here, and also the blocks, as you mentioned. So, how complicated can it get? It can get. 
pretty complicated. <laughs> ask that question about <laughs> yeah. Ask that question about nine levels in, and you'll 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 find the answer really quick. One thing that calls my attention the most is that it looks really vibrant. I mean, all yeah. the color. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. And, and the and the music is really, really well done as well. They get this kind of you know uh, very theatrical cinematic score that that complements. Did you get to play it only on PC, or you yes, also got it just on PC? Just on PC. I was mousing around. Wow. Was that cheesy? Uh, Wow. Okay, so move on before we get... (laughs) Let's pretend that just didn't happen. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Moving on, forgetting all about that. Let's talk about action Hank. Hank? Hank. Um, So the other type of puzzler I I tend to enjoy is a physics-based time trial, which is made popular by games like Trials, Trials HD, Joe Danger, those type of games. So Netherlands-based indie developer, they go by the name of Rage Squid. Uh, They seem to understand this fascination, and they have an early access game that that trades in kind of the quads and ATVs for this pot-bellied, middle-aged, fading action star who likes to slide on his ass. Um, Wow, that that was quite a beautiful description. He is, He, but you gotta love him for that. <laughs> uh, he's complimented by other. There's a woman who carries dumbbells, and she's kind of an exercise uh, right out of the uh, 80s. I'm trying to think of the name. Olivia Newton-John um, era, you know, kind of workout attire there. Uh, so n- blame Toy Story, Toy Soldiers, or I'm trying to think of the Dreamcast game. Toy Commander, I believe was the name. But I've always been fascinated by games that offer these digital re- recreations of a... Uh, of a playroom, of a child's playroom. It's it's the one venue that I think that Lego games have uh, yet to conquer. And Action Hank, it draws inspiration. So you have those orange, those old school orange Hot Wheel tracks that I loved as a kid. You know, those interlocking pieces of uh, pliable plastic that also served as um, impromptu implements of corporal punishment, at least for me. Um, <laughs> so, you had to say that. Yeah, yeah, I did. The old Hot Wheel track, if the extension cord was not handy. Uh, so one thing it does is it mirrors the crazy loop-de-loops of Sonic the Hedgehog. The stages send Hank or uh, some of the unlockable characters zipping around these courses that would be nearly impossible to create in real real life. And, it, well, at least for me, those dizzying speeds that were needed to perform two or three loops that would send, you know, kind of a real-life Hot Wheel into the wall. That would result in some of the punishment I just mentioned. So, in essence, Action Hank's levels are kind of a dream come true for anyone who spent hours just dreaming up different setups for their Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars. Competition comes in the form of ghosts of your Steam friends. So, a number of people who already uh, have Action Hank, uh, that loaded in seamlessly, uh, along with there's different uh, ghosts or apparitions for, let's see, bronze, silver, and gold time trials. Uh, which is really cool. What especially uh, is really nice about the game is like Sonic, each course has kind of multiple uh, vertical levels. So you might miss that really high jump that, that's capable of giving you a, a route that can shave a few seconds off your so lap, lap time. So a question here. Do you yes. actually collect something or is this just about beating time? It's about beating time. To, and after you actually besides get the characters. score and everything, you, you what? You get to progress with more suits or something? More scenarios? You will. You unlock characters. Then you, you, you go against. And oh. some of these, it's almost like a boss battle. Uh, I forgot the lady's name, but the dumbbell uh, mentioned lady. Wasn't it uh, Betsy or something? Betsy, like that? yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, she um, looks a little bit creepy. It's just a oh, bit. all the characters do. That, that's kind of the, <laughs> the charm of it. They're, they're like these kind of washed up toys from the '80s, as imagined today. And so that's kind of the beauty. Is like you know they kind of fell on hard times. <laughs> 
Well, that's true. It's like all your all your Hades toys just. <laughs> they squandered their money. So Stretch Armstrong, you know, he's he's recovering from the drug addiction, and now he's bouncing, <laughs> bouncing back in action. Wow. <laughs> so wow. so anyway, uh, the stages are short. Uh, they're usually about 30 seconds or so. So you don't see those long, oh, epic six-minute trials of uh, – six-minute marathon uh, of trials HD, um, which always kind of unnerve me. Like, I'm okay in 30, 40-second bursts, but – you know, I, I get to those eight minute long, you know, epic type of things and I blow. Did you get to again. did you get to try the level editor? I did not. Um no, I I just had so much fun playing, trying to beat uh I have a few friends that were really into action hank and just trying to beat their score time. And as I was doing that, <laughs> they were beating me and so we yeah, were that, going that back sounds and forth. Like you. Yeah, and so that competitive Cheater. element. No, I wasn't cheating at all. That competitive <laughs> element. Oh, you're talking about rush bros again. Uh that competitive oh, element you remember. really kicked in. Oh yes. Oh yes. Aren't you special? Yes, Such you know a special freaking snowflake. <laughs> you know who else is special? Mistake. Yes, the marvelous mistake. <laughs> yes, no mistake. Yet. You know, I actually did read the review, and mm-hmm. I actually remember Wait, you mentioned actually? <laughs> that was Listen, a mistake right there. It was a blunder, <laughs> an error. Yes. And I remember you saying something like you enjoy the game. It actually was a really colorful, charming kind yeah, of game, but you did say something along the lines that it needed it needed some sort of, uh, I don't know, like you need to counterattack to these yeah, situations. Yeah. And, you know, when I was reading that... And after I got the email that you wanted to talk about mistake on the podcast, I felt like it was like Sun Dodger coming uh, <laughs> all over again. And I was like, oh, no, he's doing this on purpose. He's no, so I'm really not. I, I like the balance. I believe there's harmony. I mean, going back to – I think I mentioned this before when we talked about Sun Dodger. Pac-Man wouldn't have worked if you were just on the defensive all the time. And it was those moments when you'd eat the power pellet, when you could turn the tables, if only for an instant, that made the game – go down in arcade history. No, but I, I do believe the mistake does uh, quite, uh, quite the right balance when it comes to the stealth and, and, and the mechanics of the game. I did get to enjoy it. It's mm-hmm. got this casual feel to it. Yeah. One thing that I would recommend the developers is just to consider in the future maybe some DLCs to change the patterns, maybe some sort of new well, scenarios or some missions well, or something the, like the that. The patterns themselves are... Uh, automatically generate their AI. It and just so feels guards, so repetitive, though. Maybe it's got to be the yeah. color scheme or something. No, it no, just, I, I, I did get to play for a few hours, and eventually you kind of it feels kind of like the same. I completely It's all about beating time, and, and, and sometimes the, the, the it, trophies. Yeah, so one of the things I found myself just, really, because the, the game scales really well, you can play it on kind of a low-end rig. I have a you know fairly uh, really light laptop, um, which does not have high specs at all, and I was running that, and it was running just fine. But I'm with you. Um, the game plays best in short bursts. And that's kind of what I was alluding to is that I think maybe that tedium would be offset if you could turn the tables a little bit. If there were like some kind of traps, each um, maybe a certain level had like a signature trap or something. Like I was imagining a net that would come down and come down on top of the uh, the bad guys. You know, it was... It was set up. It was destined for mistake, but uh, you know the, the guys would bumble their way into it, and, and that kind of goes with. You always have to complain the... about something, don't you? Yeah, yeah, that's what I do. So. 
So I, I guess we should back up and, and talk about uh, the game a little. It, it's it's a p- pick-up-and-play stealth game, uh, simple enough to, as you mentioned, play with a mouse, uh, although players can use a keyboard, and now there is controller support um, there. So the, so the plot sees um, her name is Miss but Take. Before, yes. before we actually move forward, one thing yep. that I have got to say about the controllers is that I think they're a little bit unfair sometimes, especially when you click, and, and actually she just does not go like a straight line. She just yeah. takes a different kind of path. It, it, it adds, I mean, the simplicity of the controllers is good, but it kind of includes a little bit of, you know, unfair moments. I, I think the controls are okay. I think the issue is the pathfinding, because what yes. I found that I have to do is tell her, is really micromanage her. And unlike in an RTS where you say, okay, just go over here, and, and the AI will kind of figure out and not get into too much trouble, um, she, you really have to tell her, okay, go to here, go to here, go to point by point. Yeah, probably shorter distances to click. Yeah, and, and I, I gradually kind of adapted. But sometimes she reaches a juncture where there's two ways to go around, um, you know, like a wall mm-hmm. or something, and yes. she picks the wrong way. And then I'm like, no, 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 go back. You get caught, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, therefore, the name Mistake. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, so the the plot uh, sees Mistake. She uh, is reappropriating paintings that were once in the possession of her aunt and fell into the hands of these greedy private art collectors. So uh, each stage is is kind of a different museum, uh, different in layout, but as you mentioned, aesthetically uh, somewhat similar. Uh, and then there's guards. They have uh, vision cones and what I thought was really cute dogs with kind of scent cones because you know that's their primary sense there. Uh, so a nice. She has a nice variety of moves in her arsenal. She can do things like run, but of course that makes noise. And then you can throw uh, noisemakers to distract the guards there, and uh, which is really fun. Um, and you know, as I mentioned, she can whistle. Yeah, that's right. She can whistle. That's the first one you get. Yeah. Can you whistle? Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So mistake has one on each of us. Um, no, no, but, you know, some of these complaints, as you say, are just kind of minor quibbles on uh, something that's, you know, it's a breezy, it's a really enjoyable game that, uh, as it's I mentioned, runs game. well. It's, yeah, it runs well on, on almost any rig. And the music is amazing. Yeah, music is really good. I love that kind Did of you game. unlock any of the additional characters? Yeah, I unlocked one of them. Yeah, okay. So the but the thing is that yes. you get to play you get to play the same level all over again. It's just that there's nothing much else besides, you know, just changing the character and trying to beat your own time kind of stuff. The second unlockable, there's something else. There's an ability that you that you earn and um that ability really it, it's much harder than just uh picking up and pilfering the paintings. And so that that kind of adds a little bit of nuance to it. I won't tell you what it is, but okay. I'm with <laughs> no, no, that that person's ability, that character's, but but that's really cool. So it does add a little bit of replay value. So that's mistake, the marvelous mistake. So now I have three words for you. Okay. Japanese, indie, and brawler. I could have said four because it's got lollies in it. You had you Actually, had me at the first one. <laughs> I actually got to play uh, Magical Battle Festa recently, or as the head honcho here says, Magical Battle Fiesta. I just, um, I just when I see those those letters together, my my mind adds the I. I get added in. Right? <laughs> Don't worry, it's all forgiven. It's uh, it's nothing but kidness, pantsu, and a lot of magic action. This is a great roller game by Fly System, the very same people who worked in Magical Battle Arena and Toho Sky Arena before. Have you ever heard that one? Mm-hmm. It's actually really good. It's the 3D take on it. I've also Anyways, heard of Pantsu. Of course. So that was the one and only word that I'm sure that yeah, resonated with you. <laughs> I'm stuck on that word. 
Battle Festa is a fast-paced 3D arena-based fighting game, which offers both single and multiplayer up to four players. Yeah. And also, with this, this is, I know this is the best part you're going to love, it provides a variety of waifus. So the main character is Ion Hoshisaki. I'm probably going to kill all these names, and I apologize for that. This is the very first one that you actually get to play with, like the main kind of character. And she, she I remember she's the one that already said that, and then you were this thread that looked like some sort of fake Madoka. Mm-hmm. Huh. Remember that. <laughs> so you also have <laughs> you also have other other waifus. You have like uh, a Bushido mage. You have a mage lancer. You have a gladiator mage. It's kind of like a variety. And also there is Where's something. Where's my shrine uh, maiden? Oh Jesus! Don't <laughs> complain anymore. <laughs> you also have one that's called X, and she's some sort of a magical cyborg. She's one of my favorites because uh, she's just crazy adorable. I mean, she repeats "Come in aside, come in aside" every time she's giving your assets. <laughs> Adorable. I simply just love her. And well, not just the waifus. You have, uh, you also have some sort of a husbandus as well in there too. You have a blade mage. Uh, I think that he's a musician, a musician mage. And, and there's another one that I can't remember. I think it's a curse mage or something. Anyways, re- revising the gameplay, you have got, well, yeah, of course, I mean, you have got the combos and you have the special moves per character and everything. And, and sometimes they, some of them feel a little bit more efficient with ranged attacks. Some of them feel a little bit better at close range. And this is probably why I would recommend if you do get the game, try to visit the character uh, selection and the character uh, customizing first. Um, also, before you jump into anything to the game, it will be great for you to actually try to do the, the, the tutorial, which is something I actually always have about people, but the game, it's a little bit, it's got a different, kind of like different recommendations and different, mm-hmm. it's got a learning curve that it will be, it's, it's what's going to make or break the, the, the fact that you can get to enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. What, what's the um, actual brawling like? How's the fighting? It's entirely 3D. You can actually have a fixed camera or you can actually move the camera around. And, and the thing that I recommend them to actually try the training and also the tutorial, the, it's because it, it, I did have a little bit of problem at first getting used to the, the focus of the character because you have to actually select him. And it's a balance of attack and dodge in this kind of game. It's not just, you know, going full on attack and then just hope that you win. No, you actually have to have a little bit of techniques in here and there. And some of them have got different different options because some of them actually have better defense and whatnot. So it, it takes a little bit of, you know, getting used to around it for you to actually enjoy it. And also, included in Driven Quarter, one thing that I forgot to mention is that you have got the help of some tiny little magical robots. Which, uh, they can either help your attack or your defense. Uh, there are multiple of it, uh, formations available for you. You just can change them during the battle or you can also, you know, just select the different presets before you actually get into the battle. Uh, that's one of the things that, I mean, sometimes you just appear with the character and you have like a bunch of tiny little cute things floating around you that they are also part of the of the fight in between. So it's kind of an interesting thing. I, I really get to enjoy the this brawler. I think uh, there's also... Yes, there's also the uh, the story mode and the free battle style, which of course are all about action. There's a lot of um, magical pantsiness, which I'm sure you have, you'll just enjoy. So the story mode, of course, you get to see more of the character personalities, you know, all the backgrounds. You get to Literally. know about all these. All right. Oh Jesus! <laughs> now you're trolling me. <laughs> it is all about participating in this big tournament and hopes to become the holy mage you know in, you know, just to fight all things evil and what mm-hmm. well anyways to wrap it up about 
this beautiful game. Uh, the voice acting comes entirely in Japanese. The subtitles come in some sort of like an RPG style window, which is actually kind of a nice touch. I kind of I got to appreciate that. I love the aesthetics of this game. I mean, from the character design to the whole concept of it. Um, one thing I have got to say, because it's very important for you to actually know beforehand, the only downside is that the multiplayer seems to be dead. I tried for different days, and I just, I, it's just dead. That's the one thing that I can just don't expect much from it. Other than that, it's a great indie game with lolly overload, and you have got to get it. You yeah, have got to get it. That actually, was going to be I, my when last I was, question. Why when is I was that actually, not in my Steam library already? You know what? I'll gift it to you. That's going to Aww. be your Christmas present. Aww. How about that? No, it's actually it's amazing. That when I was playing, I kept telling myself like, how comes Blue doesn't do this kind of games? Because he needs to get into this kind of games. Because it's on PC. I know that, <laughs> but he's just got to. He's got to. It's a great game. It's a lot of fun. Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. 